let me just tell you a little bit about the podcast. The reason for this is really to, without being rude, educate people about product and, and the yachting industry, but yeah. mainly about food as well. You don't have to be in the yachting industry to, to watch the podcast. And it is opinions. It's called It's Just Conjecture because everyone has an opinion about these things. But I like to have people and professionals on who really know product because that's what this is all about, telling people the truth about products. I think there's a lot of bullshit in the food industry. And so that's one of the reasons I've asked you to come here. And you've actually flown in from the UK for this today, which is incredible. You've just arrived at the airport. You've just realised it's 32 degrees at 9 o'clock in the morning. You used to rain in the UK. And you arrived here in the south of France to come and do a podcast. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Good to see you, Dave. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's uh, 33 years I've been selling caviar. And uh, I was born in Iran. Uh, and uh, we've had caviar since we were young. And um, 33 years ago, I started selling caviar in London, and we're selling across the world now. Oh, wow, okay. working with you. Yeah, I mean, we met, God, how many years ago is it now? It's got to be at least 12. 12 years ago? 12, 14 years, something I mean, like I, that. I remember um, when I first got into yachting, um, working for other companies to start with, yeah. people were selling caviar. They'd buy it from anywhere they could. Yeah. No one cared about the quality. No one cared about the actual product. It was, can I buy it cheap or can I sell it high? And I think that sort of bullshit attitude in the food industry is something I absolutely detest. Now, it's fine if you're working on a budget in restaurants, yeah. and, and I get it, but if you're working within super industry and you've got billionaires as clients, they're going to want the best, so you have to find the best. And that's when I found you, and I tasted the caviar, and my clients tasted the caviar, I was like, holy shit, this is the way to go. You've got to find amazing product. So tell me a little bit about how you've gone through that process of finding, and how do you know so much about caviar? What I remember about you was that in those early days, you used to ask questions about the caviar. You really wanted to know. And that was like me. When I was uh, a kid, we were eating caviar, which was like two or three hours out of the fish, and it was very fresh. And and I always wanted to understand more, so I used to go out with the fishermen very, very young age. And um, so I, I understood the process, how the caviar is extracted and so on. And we always ate caviar from early age, and the whole family is involved in the caviar business across Europe. So, hands-on, basically. And you learn... I mean, f where are you from originally? Uh, born on the Caspian coast from Iran. Uh, moved to the UK in the 70s, late 70s, and um, started selling caviar in 1990. All right, okay. And so what made you leave uh, Iran? What, how did that happen? Well, it was temporary. Uh, my dad studied uh, English literature in London and he said you have to go and study in the UK and come back to Iran uh, we came in 77 two years later at boarding school we heard there was a revolution dad said you're never coming back here you stay right there really yeah UK became home wow so, so and how did you feel when that happened did you think okay I can make this home or did you feel uncomfortable in oh, the UK very uncomfortable for the first 10 years and now I'm uncomfortable when I'm away more than a week. So really? It's completely, yeah, absolutely. So why did you, was it the attitude people had towards Iranian people, do you think, at that time? That it was, was very good in those days because I remember arriving at uh, Heathrow Airport and the, the, the gentleman asked, how long do you want to stay? My dad said, six months. Uh, Iranian passport? No, two years minimum we're going to give you. <laughs> it was uh, a sense of pride in those days. Uh, it's different now, of course. So, well, it's interesting you say that because obviously I don't live in the UK, um, but <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about the UK. 
and I actually you know a lot of people say really bad things about British people mm. I do sometimes think when they're talking about Brexit I'm like yeah what happened there yeah I hear you but I actually believe because I've spent a lot of time in the UK I absolutely believe British people are very welcoming and love absolutely. foreign people people from other completely countries completely right they absolutely adore it any time I've ever been to the UK I meet people, or maybe it's me to a degree. I, I meet somebody from from Colombia. I'm like, shit, tell me about Colombia. And they go, oh, I live in Bogota. I'm like, what's that like? <laughs> um, you know, I've got a friend here. I'm always talking about these things. I've got people from Argentina. I speak to from South Africa. It doesn't matter where they're from. I yeah. want to know and learn as much as I can. Um, and I think the British people are like that in general. Absolutely. Now they probably moan a bit about foreigners. Yeah. That's part of the culture. It's DNA. Yeah. But I think it's the older generation. I don't think it's the younger generation that yeah. moan that much. They like the mixed culture. They do. Um, but I can imagine moving that. I mean, I moved to mm. France. Now, you would have thought France is a very tolerable place, very acceptance of people from the UK. I haven't found that. Mm. I found, <laughs> in all honesty, I thought racism was about colour of skin until I moved to France. Wow. And in France, actually, the funny thing is, and maybe you can relate this as well sure. to, to your life, is, you know, I live in Antibes-ish area. So the people in my building, if you're not from Antibes, they've got a problem with you. So if you come from Paris, they go, you're not from the region. And you go, well, where are you from? Well, I'm from sort of Lyon. Well, you're not from this region. Then you are from this region. They go, yeah, but you're not from my town. And you go, okay, that's quite, quite specific. And they go, oh, but I'm from my town. Oh, yeah, but you're not from my street. And I'm like, what? We haven't got that in the UK, it's David. madness. We haven't got that in the UK. You're right. In the 70s, I did experience racism. And, you know, we didn't look like foreigners. As soon as we spoke, we had an accent, so they treated us differently. Um, but I'll be honest, I've traveled a lot. And my wife and I always say, love meeting Brits abroad because they are so open-minded and coming home is always great. Yeah. Yeah, so different now, honestly. People yeah. are a lot more cosmopolitan. Yeah. The mix in London is just just amazing. Uh, there's certain yeah. cities I think that's I really true I think Barcelona also is a very yeah. international city and it's a young city as well yeah. to actually have an amazing attitude every time I go to London I, n I personally never see anything which would make me think it's a racist country oh, in any way absolutely never in the past. It. it's in the past yeah it's in the past um, I think yeah. obviously it doesn't help when you come from a country that had huge colonialism yeah. don't think that helps I think no. that causes issues down the road yeah. but I think the British are very open-minded. Absolutely. Um, so you moved to the UK, and you reckon it, it took you 10 years to really feel comfortable? I recall. I recall the, the, the transit point where I started feeling at home yeah. and comfortable. And I've made some lifelong friends. I mean, I've got friends from college who are still my friends. British people. Yeah. And so, yeah, we are British now. And so both so kids were born here. So you got two, two, yeah. two, two kids who were born in the UK. Yeah. And so, how do they? What do they? Because they must be, it must be harder for them maybe, because uh, they're Iranian. Yeah. But they're British. I asked that question, and that's exactly how they answer it. Yeah. Uh, both born in the UK, and and both went to good schools, and they still think their roots are Iranian. Yeah. But they're British. Yeah. Hundred percent British. Yeah. And I can't envisage that we would ever live anywhere else, to be yeah. honest with you. It but it's a challenge, isn't it, for people? If you think about it, especially for yeah. kids, because it's about, about being identified by group, Yes, you know, and yeah. that group is very small if your ancestry is from another country and you're born in one. People, yeah. people question, oh, you're not really British. Obviously, we both know that's a racist comment. Yeah. But yeah. it's said, and you hear yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, they make jokes on TV shows about it. I remember seeing Little Britain, we yeah, had yeah. this thing in the airport. 
and he's sitting there and he says so where are you I was a black guy and he says where are you from and he says I'm from I'm from the UK he's like well where are you really from, really from. And, it, and it continues it's not a joke it's it actually happens doesn't I, it you know I do see that maybe once every two or three years I, I take offence yeah. generally I try and brush it off yeah. because I think it is what you make of it if you start looking for negatives in the UK you will feel as if you're out of place if you're always looking for positives you feel at home yeah. that's exactly how it is I think that's the same yeah. not just in place but business anything if you look for problems yeah. you find them if I'm driving to work in the morning on a busy Tuesday if I'm in a bad mood, I'll find idiots everywhere. Yeah. If I'm in a good mood, Absolutely. I actually don't even pay any attention to them. I'm just getting on with my day. That's well said. It's yeah. a self-attitude yeah. that has that has that changed. An American it? client of mine, um, a, a black lady, mentioned about racism in the U.S. And I said, you know what? I don't see it that much in the U.K. She said, yeah, but you don't realize you've got classism in the U.K. Very much so. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. That she pointed it out. I didn't even notice. We I do have it. And that's so funny because a lot of countries yeah. don't have that. Yeah. They don't have a class system. Yeah. Where the UK does and it changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting. So you spent 10 years getting through that yeah. <laughs> sort of. Boarding yeah. school and, and, and school and then college. I think I felt good. Yeah. That was the point. And so when did you get involved in the caviar industry? So I remember I was in Hamburg in 88 on a social trip to visit my cousins in um, they have a company called Caspian Caviar and I was watching them preparing all this caviar for the airlines large quantities and there was uh, eight brothers all in the company working away and they showed me the contracts they had with uh, large American airlines and cruise liners and I was very impressed I, I then um, just talked through the steps and it took me another two years I think and uh, I was at the cross point where I had just left a sales manager's job in the electronics business and, uh, um, and I was UK sales manager for a company producing safety equipment for the oil industry and I travelled uh, to visit uh, relatives within Europe in the caviar business I actually quite enjoyed it so that was the point and I thought I'll give this a while and uh, went to visit a couple of chefs and I think the one of the nicest meetings I had was with a young chef at the time Philip Howard uh, we became very good friends we're still in friends now so it's 33 years ago and uh, he gave me a chance and then I went to see Gordon Ramsay before he was Gordon Ramsay and, uh, Who is he then? What was his name? <laughs> he was just Gordon Ramsay, a normal young chef. I think he was probably 20-something. Where was he working those days? Aubergine. He was working for someone else. A little oh, restaurant he? in Chelsea called Aubergine. But as soon as I met him, I was energised. The guy has this amazing aura about him. And uh, you could either fall out with him within the first five seconds or you can be lifelong friends. And, um, yeah, we hit it off straight away. And uh, he said, be here every Monday morning at 10 o'clock. I'll get you appointments with chefs. He would call chefs and make appointments for me. Wow. Every Monday morning at 10 o'clock, I was sitting with him in the aubergine having coffee. Wow. Then, and that was the uh, the catapult, basically. He, he just did amazing things for us. But would you say that there was a moment... Because, look, we obviously we're here to talk about caviar, but there's lots of other stuff I always want to talk about. And people who've got their own business, for me, it's, it's, it's something I really want to talk about, is how that started, because... For me, there was a moment where I went, 
fuck this shit Mm. I, i can't do this with other people anymore maybe it was arrogance to a degree youthful arrogance <laughs> yeah dreams yeah, but 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 more yeah. than that it's like if you're not going to do it properly then i'll do it properly on my own and if i fail i fail but at least i failed and it was shit because it was me that did it and i caused it yeah. not other people not caring about what they're doing and i do find a lot of business people a lot of businesses it seems like they don't care anymore like somebody said to me but nobody will care about your business the way you do of course i'm not stupid i'm not an mm. idiot i know that it's not about whether other people will care it's about the owner of the business caring absolutely and really caring absolutely. not just about doing their business and getting stuck in one way but trying to improve it always yeah. always going i can be better never believing i've got it judging cracked. yourself i mean yeah. obviously you tell your clients you've got it cracked but in the back of your mind you're like i can improve this 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 and this and that's my plan is to get those things better but when you first took that jump from working from somebody for somebody else mm-hmm. and went i'm going to start my own i know what i'm talking about i know the caviar industry what was it that made you go screw it i'm just going to do that very similar to you damien i it was never about the money no exactly it was i looked at a few companies from established many years ago and they'd monopolized the business and they were complacent they were basically just doing lines of chocolate and mineral water and and caviar on the side they had lines they had vans going out no one was doing it personally no one was just specialized in just caviar who had roots in the caviar business, who knew the ins and outs, and cont- contacts are the most important thing in the caviar industry. So I had that, and I really wanted to make something special. And my aim was always having my caviar in the top Michelin star restaurants. That was always my dream. And I started along that route. Vanity dream. It was, I agree <laughs> with you. But that's yeah. the same for me yeah. with getting a, a great that, big client, a, a large vessel, absolutely. well-known vessel, it's a bit of kudos and vanity to you be don't do it for the I'm not going to. I'm not yeah. going to bullshit you. No, you want to be at the top yeah. of the game. Yeah, I was exactly the same. It's never about money. Does it upset you when you see companies, massive companies in my industry? Probably not the same with, with food. There isn't any massive companies, no. but definitely some bigger companies who I know don't know anywhere near to the level of, of, of what I know about food, and that is arrogant. But it's the truth. I don't care. Mm. You can test me. Send somebody in with a test. And I'll take a competition against everybody else. I think I'll come out on top. I have to believe that. I have to believe that. Otherwise, I shouldn't be doing it. But I do get upset when I see large, very high-end clients working with people who I know aren't quite there. And it upsets me. And whether it's their marketing or their sales patter, I don't know what it is. Just their basic known value. But we get that in the caviar industry as well. And I get people asking for low-grade caviar because of the brand name. And I know the price is more expensive because of the brand name. I know that for a fact. It's not even a debate. It must drive you completely insane. I see it every day, Damien. And I shake my head. And you know what? Sometimes you have to bite your lip. Sometimes if you tell a client the truth, they get upset. Yeah. Because they say, well, am I that silly that I've bought the wrong product? It's kind of an insult to them, isn't it? It is. To say, do you know what you've bought is shit? Yeah. And they turn and look at you and go, I'm never using yeah. you again. And you're yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, said Damien, what I think works, and I've been in meetings, I, I, I say, well, this is good, but this is better. So that works. Yeah. Okay. Y- you don't take their pride on. Yeah. And, uh, and I've done that a few times and I've lost clients. Yeah. I remember a, a situation with strawberries once when I went down to the dock. And you said it. Uh, and, you know, the, the captain introduced me to the chef. And the chef had bought his food um, through Holland um, to be delivered in the south of France. Fine, not going to debate about that. I can do, but I'm not going to. 
I will later. <laughs> Give me a couple more waters. <laughs> and, um, I'm sure we'll get there. And, and literally, I said to him, he said, well, why would I use you? I said, well, because my strawberries for a kickoff aren't grown under lights and in fertiliser. They're open, out in the open, organic. They're picked in the morning at 5am and delivered to my warehouse at 7, which means the quality is far superior. And, I, and I'm not going to debate it with you. It's got vitamin C in. And if you're serving a millionaire, billionaire on your yacht, and you're putting the best motor oil in the, in the engine, yeah. and you're spending the best money on chefs and captains and all these professional people and safety equipment, you've got everything you can possibly imagine, and yet you're pumping him with crap, which, quite frankly... In the middle of the summer, in July and August, why are you sell? Set, why are you giving somebody Dutch strawberries? Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me. They're grown all over Europe, and in France, they're unreal. I mean, the French local produce of this country, and everyone says it in the UK, they go, all oh, British beef is best. That's not true. It's not true. We can debate that another <laughs> day. You, you feel the same about caviar, I bet. Uh, yeah. And we'll find this out in a minute. But when somebody says to me, why are French strawberries better? Because they're grown outside in the sunshine at the right temperature in the right land. I mean, come on, this country's amazing for food, unbelievable for food. Yes, maybe some of the chefs are stuck in their ways, and some of the restaurants you go to are not the best. Okay, get that. But I'm just checking; it's still recording. We sound like we had an electric failure there. Yeah. So it does upset me when I see people paying a high price for a product mm. that's not as good basically because somebody's sold it illegitimately that <laughs> sounds awful it's the same in caviar isn't it yeah it is I mean sometimes they've sold it because of a lack of knowledge mostly it's because they're just trying to make a quick buck and I just you know we've got examples that I can we'll discuss later but I'd rather say no I haven't got that I'd rather than say well no I've, I've got something similar but you know I'm not going to tell the client I would we've never do that, that. We've had that. Yeah, we've spoken about we've this recently. Yeah, we've we've talked about yeah. it. Where I've gone, I need almas. Now we've had almas from you before. Mm. Pure white. The guests couldn't believe it. They've yeah. never had almas like that. That's but you won't way. sell me grey almas. You'll only sell me pure white. I'd rather say no. Yeah, and it <laughs> hurts the client. They get upset. But if it, pure white almas is not available, and it isn't always available, it's not grown on a tree, then. You have to be honest about it, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. And you know what? I tr and this is this is the truth, and you you can testify to this. I treat my customers as my friends. Yeah. Right. If you lie to a friend, they never forgive you. And I've always been honest with you and all my clients, and say, look, almas is very rare to get a pure almas. And um, well, what is almas? First, let, let's let's take it from this is a really good point. Let's take it from this. Right. There's many different varieties of caviar. Yeah. Let's tell people what they are. So okay. let's run through them, from the low grade all the way to the top. Okay, from bottom up. So, I mean, it's 34 members of the Sturgeon family. So Cool, this is going to be a long chat. Yeah, we won't <laughs> talk about all of them. We're talking about I mean, the ones that are marketable. Yeah, we're, t we're talking about the ones that maybe clients in a super yacht might want yeah. or high-end clients. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that rather than sure. people who are going to go to Lidl and see it at Christmas and oh, go, oh, caviar, yeah, lovely. Yeah, I'm not yeah, interested yeah, in that. We don't talk about pasteurised caviar. No. <laughs> so tell us about the best, the higher quality. High so, yeah, I mean, as I say, 34 members of the Sturgeon family. I mean, this is talking uh, rivers and uh, oceans uh, of past so we're now talking since 2007 only farmed caviar is available because um well united nations uh, set up a, a working group of countries that signed up to a agreement to protect endangered species sturgeon was one of them on the list and the rhino and, and others and um, when sturgeon was placed on this 
they had to start uh, controlling numbers. So um, they realized that the stock in the Caspian Sea was dropping, and around the world it was showing a, 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 a sort of trend. So 2007, they said, well, you can catch all the caviar you want, but uh, all the sturgeon produce the caviar, but we won't allow you to export it. So that basically dried out the market. Are uh, we talking globally? Yeah, Russia and Iran were the, most, the biggest producers. And 2003, the Chinese started investing in farms. And I remember uh, late 90s, there was talk of other farms around the world. And I remember looking at the caviars coming out of the farms. They were absolutely atrocious. They were, it was, they were soft. You'd, you'd start, so it was a 1.8 kilo original tin. You'd start taking the items from the top to start filling your tins. By the time you got a third way, it was as if you struck oil. It's just like a <laughs> gush of oil coming from the center. Really? Seriously, the, all the eggs would exude their oil inside the tin. It would just build up as soon as you took the top layer off of oil. Would just why was up. that? It was just, the caviar is very delicate as it is, but farmed caviar is more delicate than wild caviar. So, you know, if they're producing without the knowledge, uh, the caviar becomes even more delicate. So it produ the, all the oil comes out from each egg and it just sits there. So I would presume, and I might be wrong, I did this with the wine guy, and he told me I was completely wrong many, many times. But I'm okay with that, because I'm learning. But I would presume that the uh, farmed caviar is more delicate, basically because the fish aren't as fit. So the muscles in the animal aren't as strong, because they're not wildly swimming everywhere. They're probably in a smaller area. They're not getting as much exercise, which means they're fatter, lazier, and therefore the eggs are going to be more fatty. And that means more oil in them which means they break down quicker and they're probably softer to a degree. Is yeah. that true or not? Very close to the uh, actual facts, very close. Um, so this is a very important point that you know I can go into detail, but I'll just say briefly that um, in captivity, especially in, in Europe, uh, due to legislation, they're not allowed to have a link to the outside water systems right. because of infection breakouts and so on. So generally farms around Europe hold their fish in either tanks or small ponds uh, that have waters recirculating and filtered and filtered and filtered. So these fish aren't really getting the exercise. And there are certain farms that I've been to, the fish actually live outdoors in a lake. Yeah. And they, they exercise and you're right. This is Caspian Sea does this, isn't it? Is that right? Caspian in the bottom of the Caspian Sea they've got yeah. like a, a fenced off area in the in the, in uh, the no, they, no they actually pump the water from the Caspian Sea into their ponds ah, okay. but it's China mm. I have to say is the only place that I've been to have seen that they um, the fish swim in a lake really yeah and and they all of course have them penned in uh, sections so they can feed them and keep an eye on them but the fish are actually swimming and their density is a lot less than in tanks so the fish get more exercise they put on less fat and uh, we find that you're right, the eggs are more robust. So uh, that was the early stages of farm caviar. And they've actually improved a lot in Europe now. So there's, there's, there's a couple of farms that I work with and, and uh, I've seen the improvements. They've allowed us to put our own experts, flown them from Iran, and they've allowed us to improve the way they process the caviar once taken out of the fish, because that's a really crucial point. There's an old um, adage that the Caspian Sea produces, the caviar master you see, have nine minutes from the point you take the caviar out to the time it should be sealed inside the tin. So that's cleaning it, 
washing it, salting it, packing it. Wow. Nine minutes. The longer you take, the longer you wash it, the more you wash the flavors out. The longer you take, the softer the caviar will go. So these are um, wow. just intricate details that we've managed to do over the years. Um, we've seen that certain farms have improved. And if you want me to go into more detail, we had a um, uh, point, I recall, uh, when we were working with the Chinese. In fact, I recall my cousin flew out to China back in the 80s and he showed them how to produce the caviar properly. And the Chinese were improving more and more. And the first big farms really were investing in 2003, buying their fish from the Caspian Sea, stock from Russia, and, and introducing their F1 generation, which is the first fish. And uh, around, I believe, 2010, uh, we were sending experts to China to show them about the processing, the cleaning. And the guys were saying, you know, they're taking notes. They're learning everything we're telling them. And uh, every improvement we make, we're also making for our competitors' caviar. Yeah, yeah. So we said, you know, we have to do something about this. Uh, so uh, myself, my cousins in Germany, our good friend in New York, Paramount Caviar, we all agreed that we would consolidate our orders and just go forward with one buyer, which was the Germans. Yeah. So we sent our German uh, family across, and they, uh, we now control our own production. So we send two caviar masters once a month. Uh, one is a biotechnician, so he checks water quality, checks the fish health, and then the other is a ex-caviar master from Iranian fishes. So 15 years, he was the man who stood in the production area and say, this fish, this section, this fish, this much salt. And he would be in charge of all the color, uh, segregation of the type type uh, classification and so on. Uh, so he, he does our, our, our production, seals it, signs the bottom of the tins with his own signature we then seal it with a tamper-proof seal it then comes into frankfurt clears eu customs and then we split it uk new york and europe is it true you cannot sell beluga in, in america uh, they banned it a few years ago there is a farm i believe in florida producing some oh, i hate to say second grade beluga I, I me i've always been this way damien and you know that when it comes to beluga, the person who chooses beluga is a connoisseur. Yeah. Give him the best or don't give him anything. Yeah, of course, yeah. So I have a question about, I mean, uh, we'll get back to beluga, but there was, since we mentioned the US, I remember years ago seeing this TV show. It was about rich people or semi-rich people in LA. Very weird program. They followed a few people around who could organize stuff for people who are right. renting a boat for the day. I or whatever. seem to yeah. Little boats. And I remember this 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 one where these clients had asked for caviar for the daughter's birthday. They were taking a boat out, or they had their own boat. It was not huge, not like we have here in the Mediterranean. Um, it was probably like sort of 15, 20 meter um, vessel. Now a lot of people go, oh, "That's quite big." Well, it's not in the world we are. We are in super yachting. We're dealing from 30 meters minimum, probably through to 160 meters to 80 wow. meters, whatever. It's just, some of them are huge. A lot of our clientele over the years have, you know, average what. Uh, size would be 60 meters now we're looking at m probably 90 meters on average which Mine's is bigger huge. than yours that's what's yeah, happening in the yacht it's, it's, yeah exactly um, and there's new boats probably a thousand boats in production at the moment wait, waiting for new owners not waiting for new owners the owners are waiting for the boat they've already pre-ordered pre so it's growing hugely but I did notice on this TV show that this lady to get caviar which is, is a TV show so it's all bollocks but generally she went to a farm got in the pond with this guy with his big trousers on yep. 
they literally caught a sturgeon cut it open took the caviar out put it in a tin and she took it to the boat and I was like is that really how it works no, I Damon. think that smells a little bit like bullshit exactly to me. bang on Jamie Damon you're not in the caviar business and you under, you read that well to be honest the most important thing about caviar I mean I was I remember I was five years old my grandmother used to bring us caviar which was two hours old it was bland it doesn't develop its flavor for a while mm. so you need to salt it allow it to rest we, you don't even move it for the first week because any movement it just it, it unsettles the caviar you get more s- soft so after about three weeks you start getting flavor really yeah and some some of my clients prefer their caviar a month old two months old I've got some clients who want their caviar one percent salt aged one percent salt and they want it within a week uh-huh. I've got most of my customers say that's bland doesn't have any flavor and I agree all the interesting flavors come through later so yeah what that show is about is about look at me I've got connections that's yeah. all that is it, it it's did, not real it, well I mean obviously I watch Selling Sunset sometimes and if you ever watch that TV show oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or if you Only know once. about if you know about it anybody <laughs> watching now is going to break down and cry if they like Selling Sunset because I read I went online and I read about it because I was like watching this six season and I'm like this is bollocks it's hilarious it's a comedy show really but it's all scripted, in my opinion. It's all set out. I mean, I've never. You wouldn't have an office with people bitching at each other like that and arguing. Mm-hmm. You go, you, you're out. And in America, you can fire somebody on the spot. That office would be empty in real life. And then I read this thing where the, the two guys who, uh, who own it, the Oppenheim brothers, um, are actors. Oh, there you go. And the, the, uh, Jason Sonso, the actor from. <laughs> hold on a minute. <laughs> what are you talking about, actor? It's a, it's a reality TV show, but it's not really reality. Yeah. And then I looked at. This blog, and it's got somebody in the States has gone through each person and actually told you how many houses they've sold. Some of them aren't, haven't even got a license to sell houses. They're actors. They're in the Actors Guild. That's what they are. They're building an acting career. And I was reading this. I mean, I can't remember what the girl's called. Weird. Uh, Chriselle. Mm. Done it. I'm, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I'm just explaining why TV shows are bullshit. So if you watch a TV show about food, there's a nine-tenths, nine out of ten chances of bollocks. And Chriselle sold one house in three years. You can't survive on that. No. Do you know what I mean? She's yeah. earning more as an actress. So, so I think whenever you see a TV show about food, I'm automatically assuming it's bullshit most of the time. Now, I'm not talking about interviews with famous chefs and Gordon Ramsay and people like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these weird people who source food in weird places in the world. Really, if you want to find out about sourcing food, you need to talk to a yacht provisioner because we don't have time. We have to have the knowledge. And if you don't have the knowledge, you can't do the job. So you need to know about everything, which is why you're here, because I need to know more. I know a lot, but I need to know more. And even when I know more, I'll still never know it all. We've got different types of caviar that you have told me over the years are more suitable at different times of the year, depending on the temperature and where it's coming from. So... Tell me a little bit about that. We've got height of the summer now. We're end yep. of July. It's really hot. It's 35 degrees, 40 degrees. There's a heat wave across Europe. Yep. Everyone's all of a sudden gone, do you think this is global warming? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> the fish <laughs> don't know? like it, to be honest with you. They don't like um, producing caviar in hot seasons. I mean, even if you think about when they're in the wild, they only swim up rivers against current in spring and autumn. Right. They don't they don't lay eggs in the summer. So in these farms where they're producing in the summer, the quality is atrocious. Right. Uh, so I remember on one trip I was in Iran and this 
I, at the time I was sourcing a lot of beluga from Iran um, and I recall and I mentioned this to the guys and I said you know I do notice the quality drops when the temperature is high and they agreed so um, I said we need to do something about this the next time I was there they w moved their fish um, uh, at the end of spring into a, a, um, a holding area near a reservoir so there was melted snow that was just coming through this reservoir and filling these areas and the water was ice cold absolutely ice cold and the quality of beluga improved hugely um, generally I don't really like buying a lot of caviar um, in the hot seasons I try and buy in spring and hold stock and then my caviar starts to mature nicely in the hot seasons and then okay. we're producing again in September October so it does affect the caviar and does it affect it depending on whether it's Ossietra, Gold Ossietra, yes. or whether it's Beluga? Yeah. How, how, why is a Beluga fish's eggs more prone to heat than an Ossietra egg? Uh, the the, the Beluga is always more delicate. It has a thinner skin, and so the connoisseur prefers that because it's more delicate and you get a creamy flavour, and that creamy flavour lasts on the palate. And because of, the, of its nature, um, it is more susceptible to heat, during production, during the fish's um, maturation, when it's producing caviar, and also during storage. And it, beluga can't really handle um, temperature change. Temperature change, And also, I've, I've always said, recommend to chefs, when they are garnishing with the caviar, don't use beluga, because yeah. the tin's open during service, and they're taking spoons in and out, it goes to mush. Yeah. So I always say to chefs, um, you've got to go with the cetera. I remember early days when uh, Gordon uh, Ramsay wanted caviar, um, he was using Sevruga at the time, which is a lovely caviar. Most of the fishermen in Iran, when I was a kid, uh, they were they were having Sevruga for breakfast. They spread it on pancakes toast. and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the bread, which is a bit like a French baguette, uh, but it's it's flatter. Yeah, and uh, with hot tea, beautiful. And that's what we used to have for breakfast. And um, my dad used to say, "Use it instead of butter. It uh, you live longer." <laughs> and I remember my grandmother would bring a coffee. He did. Did he, was he selling Ooh, caviar at the time? We hated it. <laughs> we <laughs> this is better than butter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in fact, I tell you a story. My my cousin was saying, "Do you know that in the seventies, I, I once said about the price going up about twenty years ago?" And he said, "You know, in the seventies, butter was fourteen uh, Deutschmark per kilo, and he said uh, caviar was twelve when he went to 15 all the caviar traders in Europe said we can't make a li living out of this <laughs> <laughs> per kilo that is um, so beluga is more susceptible to heat so yeah, I've, absolutely Ossetra is definitely hardier this is this is back to my strawberry thing mm. this is very similar and a, and a reason why people on super yachts sometimes buy Dutch strawberries because they're more firm they're more mm. hard they last in temperature in temperature change better but the flavour is not as good and again, I'm a big believer in eating seasonal. In the sushi industry, they have the ability to get deliveries whenever they want. Mm. They don't have to have 12 trays of strawberries today and then hold them in their fridge for a week. I, in fact, it's probably stupid to do that because it's going to break down over time. The yeah. nutrients are going to go. Food, whether it's a, a fresh thing like, a, like, a, like an egg or, a, or a, <laughs> a caviar egg, is the same in many respects. The more temperature changes it goes through during that process from taking it from the animal all the way to my table when I open that tin is going to make it a worse product. It's the same for fruit, especially soft fruit. 
So if you've got strawberries, raspberries, things like not so much um, uh, blackberries are a bit firmer, of course, but blueberries, again, is the same. You don't want much temperature change. And you can tell with a blueberry whether it's gone mm. through temperature change. You can. Yeah, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. You can, and I, I mean by looking at it. Yeah. So if it looks white, it means it's great condition. It means uh, it hasn't gone through okay. the temperature change. If you get a, a blueberry and it doesn't have that little... And when I say well, it's not white, of course... Yeah, like cloudy. It also looks like it's got frost on it. Yeah, right? gotcha. That means it hasn't gone through the temperature changes. It's right. been picked, put in a temperature, and it's still at that temperature when you've found mm. it or bought it or seen it. It changes temperature. That disappears away from the blueberry. Now, I think with caviar, this is the same, isn't it? So I want to know a bit more about the process you have to kill the animal yeah there's uh, th- there is a fork in the road at that stage when the fish goes from the uh, in f- stage five of its reproductive cycle to stage six um so pretty much this this was experimented in the 60s by the russians um so they would inject the fish with hormones so it would fool the fish to think that it's swimming up the river in spring or autumn and it, the pituitary glands behind the gills would start to produce this hormone. Then, see, all the eggs are enclosed in a sack. They're actually stuck individually inside this sack. You can't mechanically remove them unless you remove the sack and, and, and separate. Um, so by injecting the hormones, you fool the fish into releasing the eggs. Um, and then those eggs are, there's a little incision made. Um, you then squeeze the eggs out put them into test tubes and inseminate with male hormones male uh, sperm if you like and then you produce your hatchery program you can make more fish that is not suitable for human consumption the eggs are sticky they have this chemically flavor it's not very nice so what there's a couple of farms doing this i don't approve of it i think the fish go through so much stress that 50 percent of them die off and for about two years they don't produce caviar yeah you're taking this fish out of the water you're squeezing the life out of it injecting it in, in, cutting it and then stitching it back up again I, I, is, isn't that isn't that isn't isn't pumping it with a hormone that makes it produce eggs at a time it naturally doesn't can't be good product I forget the I don't animal cruelty and all that kind of yeah. crap people might go oh this is outrageous yeah, yeah. okay fine but taking away that bit it, it just creates a poor quality product surely i think it does because when they're washing it to get the stickiness out they're washing the flavor out right that's the first thing and i've, I've been interviewed by newspapers i remember the guy who contacted from independent nine years ago he called me recently and interviewed me for a u.s publication and he said we spoke about this uh, and i recall you were saying there was a difference between ethical and sustainable he said how do you feel now after nine years i said the, the facts are the same you can be sustainable which in fact all farms have to be because they're all microchipped and you can be ethical uh, by not cutting the fish and squeezing life out of it um, so all farms this is this is legislation have to have an F1 generation fish that is originally taken from the wild that can produce eggs that has to go to your hatchery program you can't take those eggs and sell it as caviar right so your F2, F3, F4 generations are the ones that you produce from those eggs, initial eggs. So um, you can be sustainable because each farm has fish that are six months old, a year old, uh, uh, sturgeons, young sturgeons, and then they are two, three, four, five, and when they mature at six years old, you then kill those fish. 
humanely in ice baths, take the caviar out, and um, process it. Yeah, and in six months' time, you're you're then onto your next fish. Yeah. So you're always producing the young fish, and you know what? It, it probably does sound cruel, but then again, we have everyone is most you know people who eat meat eat chickens and yeah. Fish I mean, look. We can talk about animal, animal cruelty all day long, couldn't yeah. we? Um, humans yeah. are sustained by protein diet, and if you don't have a protein diet, you have problems. Yeah. Um, it is Facts. a good way to yeah. get protein. I personally, um, I mean, I've got my own sort of opinions on on this. I personally think a farmed animal was created for a reason, and it yeah. wouldn't have lived at all if it wasn't for being produced for food. I'm not a massive fan of plucking wild fish out of the sea. And when someone goes, oh, that's ridiculous, I go, no, well, we killed elephants, right? That If you go and shoot an elephant, I say, oh, I've got an elephant's uh, head on my wall, people will lose their shit with you, right? Because it's always a wild animal that's in danger. Well, if we carry on pulling the fish out of the sea at the extent that we are, they'll also be in danger. There'll be no fish left. Yep. Everything will be produced genetically. There'll be no real food left. We've already got that happening in some products some fruit and veg yeah it's not good it doesn't have as many vitamins uh, you'll never convince me that that's as good as the other products that were grown naturally and i don't personally like fish being pulled out of the ocean yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't agree with it Damn because there's could, no need now there's no need i don't no, think yeah, F- I farmed agree. fish is is great yeah. it's much cheaper it's much more sustainable yeah um uh, maybe you're not getting such quality Okay, maybe it's not the same. It, like we discussed, you're going to have a fatty, yeah. uh, fatty layer on the outside of the fish because it's not swimming as much. But there are solutions to that, and I came up with one a while ago. And I think you and I talked about it. And I know that the Chinese fisheries have been doing a lot of, um, they're pumping a lot of money into making the industry better and better. Mm. A lot of people go, it's from China, it's shit. No. Okay, if you're buying um, a crappy light that's two ninety nine to fit on your wall exactly. from China, okay, maybe it will be shit. I'm not, not going to go to the Chinese, yeah. I'm just saying, maybe it's it Just is. the way it works. Just the way it works. Yeah, yeah. If you want it cheap, you, you buy twice. <laughs> okay, it's a fact. Now, I heard a rumour that in China they're actually developing lake systems which are temperature controlled. And this has been with the knowledge of the Iranian fishery people to create almost in captivity but wild sturgeon that can produce really high-grade caviar. Is that something that's yeah. that's happening? We've been involved with helping them develop that. I mean, we're calling it semi-wild environment. Right. And this is what I find with the Chinese. They are, They think ahead. It's completely false what people say about the Chinese wanting to cut corners. They think ahead, they plan ahead, they want to work with you, they want to empower you to be, be better, so you become a better client of theirs. I've seen it over and over again. And we are so impressed with their work ethics. And they buy the most expensive fish food that is available, and they feed into the fish. Yeah. Now, you know, you're going to hear rumors about the caviar farms being situated where they dump sewage, but what does that rumor come from it comes from european producers sadly they spread that rumor and we have our two guys you know fly to china once a month they 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 stay at the farm for at least a week produce the caviar and they report everything back to us the lake is that the fish are held in are there's no industry around it it's just pure nature 
thousand lakes. It's absolutely pure. I mean, the water from those lakes is used for drinking water. Have you been there? Um, I haven't been to this particular farm, but the guys send me uh, videos every visit, and the report uh, uh, absolutely everything's top grade. I mean, there are various farms around China. We like the one or two farms that we work with. Um, there is one farm I really like in Iran. There is, I think, there is, I think, close to a hundred farms in Iran now. Is there really? Pre- yeah. And yeah. they all next to the Caspian. Are they all in that northern? Uh, not all. Not all. They they are all over the country now. Um, the ones around the Caspian I've been to visit on the east coast, on the west coast I've been to to, to them. Are there sanctions on Iranian caviar? There is. You're right. Um, and it's to do with moving money around. So you know you can by all means buy caviar from Iran, but they, they, they don't want you to send money th- through the banking system and so the banks get very nervous they say well if you move if you're paying them directly or indirectly the US government will, th- will hit us with penalties and yeah, fines yeah. so that's caused us a lot of problems in the past so you can't really say you said Iranian caviar anymore and about uh, two years ago the Europeans, the EU was, was uh, not happy with the results it was getting, the answers it was getting from labs in Iran when they do the test on the caviar and then there was a rumor that the Iranian government hadn't paid the bills for the importation was it just a rumor was it true it was true (laughs) 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 Iranians settled up they paid their bills Uh, the the lab results came in they were happy so the EU lifted the ban Uh, since Brexit the UK doesn't follow the EU rules so the UK said now we need to be satisfied with all those answers so that for about a year uh, it's been illegal to bring in Iranian caviar. Oh, is it really in the UK? So a what lot about Europe? It's fine now. So my clients in the EU, uh, we ship them whatever they want. European but, caviar, but, but, but Iranian. So tell me, what what gets? So in Iran, it's beluga. So they produce uh, a sipensa berry, which is a Siberian berry. Uh, Osetra, they produce golden Osetra and beluga. Okay, but because uh, production costs are so high. Generally, what they do is they only export the beluga. Everything else is sold for the domestic market. Okay. And is it a big market in Iran? You know, funny enough, um, the super rich, they've got bigger in Iran. Sanctions have affected the middle class and the lower class right. hugely. Yeah. The, the rich in Tehran. I mean, I was in, ter- in, in, in Iran uh, in one of the small cities, and I saw a Ferrari California fly by. And I said, I used to have one of those. I don't like them anymore. And uh, my my um, brother-in-law said, but do you realize how much that guy paid for his yeah, car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I think I paid about 150000 for mine. He said, the guy paid nearly a million pounds for his because car. Because import taxes. Import taxes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, he's probably connected up. But in do you know car. that's the same in places like Thailand? Yeah. If you buy yeah. a Range Rover there, the price is huge because the import yeah. tax is absolutely massive. Yeah. They want you to buy... Um, well, whoever their partners' cars are yeah. in different countries, uh, it's, huge. it's like uh, Singapore is the same. Yeah, many uh, countries. Uh, are, uh, yeah. If you're if you see a supercar or, or expensive car from that you'd see in a European brand, it's actually hugely more expensive out there. Hugely, hugely. So they are far richer in comparison Absolutely, to the European. Yeah, yeah, and that's the same in a lot of places. You yeah. you wouldn't really think about it, yeah. but obviously here in the south of France, especially at these months, July and August, you see a lot of tourists from places. Yeah from countries like Iran um, uh, Middle East and stuff um, and you know you can't imagine the sort of money spent in the high end labelled shops you just can't imagine wow. it because they have well they do okay Dubai's got them but yeah. if you go to Saudi Arabia I'm not even sure they have those brands on the shelf 
maybe. Maybe. They, they I mean, have. I'm talking bollocks have. here. I don't really know the truth. I'd have to look at it. Yeah. But I know... Saudi's you, opening up. If you go to... Ir- yeah. Yes, it is, massively. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go to Iran, they don't have Gucci shops, do they? No, you're right. Is, that, is that true? They have coffees. They have coffees, but <laughs> they, they don't have a Gucci not allowed shop. To they, have don't the have, they don't have a Louis Vuitton. To do with sanctions, yeah. To do with sanctions. So when they come to Europe, they, they, they go crazy, yeah. and you can see them going crazy. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. The super rich are so much richer than yeah. they used to be. But when I left Iran in 77, population was 32 million. It's 84 million Is now. it really? And majority are young. They have big dreams. They, they watch Instagram. They want things that they see. And they have dreams. They, they, they have every right to have these hopes and dreams. Yeah. But you're talking about 45 years of sanctions, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the population is nearly treble. Yeah, that's huge, uh, isn't it? It's huge. So it squeezed the middle class to being into lower class. I just, I just class. feel... I have a lot of feelings about these things. I know you do. I feel really, really, really pissed off, to be honest with you, hmm. that the world is the way it is. I'm not going to pretend I have the fucking answers. But, and I'm not saying sanctions don't work in some cases. All I'm, sa- all I'm saying is I think there's other ways. Of, I think the education system globally is bullshit as well. I think that can change. I don't know why people are still doing master's degrees at 27, 28, 29 age. Get a job. Get your shit together. What are you doing? What are you still training for, for God's sake? When I was 20, it was in a, in a kitchen after university straight in the kitchen and I was a kitchen porter because I knew I had to start at the bottom I got potatoes thrown at me knives thrown at me I learnt the the hard way doesn't seem that people want to do that anymore which is why I've got an issue with the the youth to a degree they all believe that they can have a side hustle side hustles take 20 hours 20 20 hours not 20 hours a day they're they're a 10 to 12 hour day a job you know what? It's I not fucking one hour a week and you yeah. can earn 30 grand a month. It's bullshit. It's a lie. The guy's selling a course mm. to you or some other bullshit. He wants you to, to click, so he's getting revenue, moron. Wake up. You know, if you see somebody, bo- oh, I can give, give you the dream. It's bollocks. Nobody can give you the dream. There's only one person that can give you the dream, and that's you. So wake up in the morning, self-educate, get your shit together, and stop watching social media dreams. I watch social media when I'm having my bowl of cereal in the morning. Between answering my clients who are texting me from 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting there, I go, you know what, I'm going to have 10 minutes where I'm going to laugh at the world. My reel comes through and it's people falling down holes, uh, golf, golfers topping their ball into a tree and it coming back, back behind them or hitting them in their chin. Oh, Just funny stuff that I yeah, want to yeah. watch and makes me smile because I need 10 minutes of humour. I don't watch it for <laughs> any tips on how to make money because it's bollocks. But I've forgotten my point now. No, so I'm you. talking about yeah. sanctions. Yes, I know if countries aren't doing good things, but I think the big problem in the world is the governments, the people in Iran don't have an issue with me and I don't Definitely have an not. issue with them. Definitely I not. never had an issue with the people of Iraq. Never. Never wanted to. Never, never, never. I'd never have woken up and gone, fuckers. Never would have happened because I, they've got their life. I've got mine. Everybody wants the same thing. We want to have a better life, maybe have some children, look after them, uh, grow them into good people who can expand and, and do good in the world. That's all people get. Oh, and a roof over your head. Nobody wants this bullshit. No. We've got a war in Ukraine at the minute that absolutely shouldn't be happening. If you've got a problem with me, you don't fight him. Fight me. Tell me. Have a word with me. Sit down with me and have a chat. And don't complain and say for 32 years of trying to be talking to you. Actually have a chat. It's quite simple. It's mistrust. Thing. It's mistrust, but it's governments mistrusting each other. The people of the US are propagandered against everybody else. Oh. 
the news in the US. It's sadly, crazy. Sadly, I've got, I watch Fox and CNN f- I for a laugh. I, I just I because can't I'm amazed. Believe how pre- free our press is. When I, I can't watch. Yeah. American press, seriously. <laughs> but then I watch Sky so, News and I watch BBC and it's all everything's propaganda. Yeah. If you go to Russia now, it's propaganda against everybody yeah. else. If you go to Ukraine, it's propaganda against Russia. Now, I'm yeah. not saying the Ukrainians are wrong. They're getting fucked. So they, if anybody deserves to have propaganda TV, it's them, to be completely honest with you, because they didn't do anything, not in my opinion. And this is just, it's just conjecture. So I'm allowed to say what I want. But I don't know about all of the aspects of the Iranian government for the last hundred years. I'm not clued up on that. And I don't know all the strife that people of Ukraine and Russia have gone through. I, I don't know the answers and I don't have the facts. I'm just saying it seems pointless in 2023 to be killing people for no fucking reason. And if you've got a reason, sit down and talk about it. It's bollocks. You and I agree on one thing, Damien, that an action 50 years ago has a reaction 20, 30 years later. Absolutely. And they mean, they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And perfect example, I don't want to stay on politics for too long, but just a perfect example, close to my heart, my father was involved in the student movement to um, to support the only democratic prime minister we ever had, Dr. Mossadegh, who came into politics, multimillionaire, left as a pauper uh, with cancer and uh, house arrest. He wanted to nationalize the oil industry and he wanted to have it for the people. And he promised people prosperity, education, and pretty much he built three hospitals from his own funds because he realized that particular area didn't have a hospital and people needed to be looked after. He came into politics and he wanted to make things better. These are the people we need in politics around the world. What did they do? I don't really want to get too deep into it. They didn't want him because they thought their interests were more important. So they overthrew him. But the CIA actually, they, it's it's written. The facts are there. CIA actually said, actually, this guy is a bit weird, but he loves his country. Don't ex- execute him. House arrest for 14 years. And his nephew went to visit him. He said, you know what? I want to be like you. I want to go into politics. And, and he turned around and he said, look at what politics did for me. Don't you even go near politics. You know, this so is what true. happens to a good man. That's so true. And uh, I've thought about going into politics right yeah well, I know you'd be something I'd be, <laughs> I'd be voting for you I'd be a nightmare I wouldn't <laughs> let anyone get away with shit yeah I'd like first day I wouldn't do any celebrations I'd go outside in front of the number 10 I'd get on the microphone and go right get our shit together now everything you know previously is changing okay no more of this bullshit just because you've been elected by a load of people in in in, in Leeds doesn't mean I'm going to choose you as my fucking finance minister. Okay, yeah, what's your I'm going to choose somebody who's absolutely qualified to do that job. I do not phone an electrician to come round to do my plumbing, right? That, I don't do it at home. No. So why the fuck would I do that in a, in a country? What exactly. I want to do is go right. You've all got into into. You've been voted in. Great. You get voted in in your area. I get voted in my area. I become prime minister. Right. What's my skill set? If I don't have a skill set, I'm employing somebody to do it. I'm not going to pretend all of a sudden because uh, 66 million people in the country, or the majority of them voted for me, that all of a sudden I know the fucking answers because I don't. I don't know it in my business and I wouldn't know it running a country. And you don't know it in your constituency either. Yeah. Just because you were bought, sorry, lived in, in, in Ealing and you got became PM for, uh, sorry, MP for Ealing doesn't mean you all of a sudden should be education minister. What the fuck are you talking about? Mm. I noticed that, that years ago this kicked in when I saw Alistair Darling, who was the uh, executive... Uh, sorry, what's the Labour Party, wasn't it? Yeah, Labour yeah. Party with yeah. Gordon Brown, dictator, didn't get voted in, same as Sunak, didn't get voted... Sunak's not been voted in by the people. People haven't voted no. him in. He's never been up against anybody 
therefore in any other country in the world they look at the UK and the UK gives it this about how fucking perfect democracy. we are and democracy democracy and we've got prime minister after prime minister after prime minister who was not voted in by the people that's called a dictatorship now I know it's not run like a dictatorship a mod it's a modern dictatorship actually that's what I think it is it's wrong if you change the lead of your party immediately there should be a general election I agree because that. you give the people the right to choose okay I agree with simple that. as that you don't choose it between your party and go, well, the party won. No, 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 no. Things have changed. We've got TVs. We've got cameras these days. It's in your pocket. It has to be a personality who understands what the people are going on about. I'm not saying Rishi's bad, by the way. Don't know him personally. Haven't got a clue. I've had people tell me he's amazing with figures and numbers and stuff like that. Great. But he still has to be voted in. But when you get voted in as a PM, what you don't do is just employ your mates. You go, who's the best person for the finances of this country to get our shit together? What do I get on with? And I'm, I'm going to bring him in. Because, you know, and you I want know, a school teacher that. to be your education minister. I agree. It doesn't matter whether they're voted in by the people. It good. The, the people in that table Proven. who are telling me every day what's going on need to be professionals. Doctor, I, I, teachers, yeah. you name it. I people want who understand. somebody from the city to be in the uh, in the treasury absolutely running the treasury people you know, understand the, back, the, 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 the microeconomic situation that's going on I have this conversation when I travel and people keep saying this about Britain and I always say yeah I agree still the best country in the world in my view to bring my kids in it's not perfect there's no way that's perfect yeah. in, the, in, in the world and there's, there's a young um, uh, son of a friend of mine Iranian guy uh, mother and father both Iranian born in the UK uh, lives in Barnet and he said I want to go into politics I want to be a conservative MP and he's got every chance and, and I said do it because you want to make things better don't think don't do it because you're going to be famous he said absolutely I said do me a favor read the uh, life and times of Dr. Mossadegh and he just loved to do things for the people do that if you want remember recently I had a uh, conversation with a client of mine ex uh, Sandhurst uh, officer and he said, you know what we should do in this country to make it better? He said, uh, we should pay prime ministers more. I said, absolutely not. Quite the opposite. Footballers are paid so much. They're not hungry anymore. Mm. I said, what we need is someone who loves the country so much they'll do it for free. Yeah, I completely They'll make the country better. You kind of need some, but I, cool. yeah. we, we, end up, we end up walking towards a conversation about Trump. We don't know where that's going to could We could do another one. We, we could, but the, the point is, to a certain degree, you're right. Yeah. What you want is somebody there for the right reasons, and money isn't the right reason as far as politics Agreed. is concerned. Agreed. We all know Johnson leaves his post, resigns as an MP, is under, uh, earning 100 grand a speech for an hour's chat in front of a load of rich people. Well, that's fine, okay. Cameron's if people want to pay him, no Blair's problem. doing it. Cameron's doing it, Blair's, they're all doing it. Every politician globally does it. They get a job with a major corporation afterwards, paying them one, two, three million a year to give their opinion, but it's not their opinion, it's their access. That's what those big corporations are paying for, sure. is their access. Because sure. that person has had access to the leaders of every state and every country in the world. They've got Contracts. them in the Rolodex, got them on the telephone. They're making a lot of money. So we understand how this how on. this business works. That's the way it works. But what you need is somebody, and that's why I was very disappointed with the US. Crazy that they've got very little choice, <laughs> in all honesty. It's, it, it's a crazy situation. I'm not a Trump fan. I don't agree with so many things he says. I think he's a moron in many cases. When he, whenever he says a word out of his mouth about abortion, I want to slap him across the face. It, it, I'm sorry, but it has to be a choice of a woman. 
Anybody who says it's anyone else's choice should get kicked in the ass, right? Agreed. Any man sitting in any fucking room You're who so has right the indecency that. to say what a woman should do with her body is a fucking dick. End of story. It really irritates me. No, I get I very emotional about it. I've got I two do. girls. I'm so fucking uh, yeah, angry I, I, that I, anybody I, would even fucking have the indecency to think that that's an acceptable mm. comment in any way. Not even to have an opinion. I don't have an opinion because it's not my body. It's not my right. And exactly <laughs> Okay. That. My only opinion is it's only their opinion that counts. Well, actually, they should be free to decide for themselves. Of course they should. It's not the politicians decide for them. Um, Finish. And that's what upsets me a little bit about yeah, yeah. some countries where they're trying to, they, you know, they, an they, old they, group of 60-year-old men deciding what women can do. Are you on crack? What it's you've been smoking? That's twenty twenty three. Most powerful country in the world. They, they deserve better. The people deserve. Of better. Of course they do. It's crazy. Yeah. I look in the UK and saw this whole disagreement with Brexit, uh, which has fucked many businesses. I had somebody email me the other day saying we had a quote with you three years ago. I haven't really heard much from you. What's happening? I said I can't order from you because one, I've got to pay in pounds because you never opened up yourself to having euro, euro accounts, which is crazy. If you're a UK business in, exporting to Europe. Your bank should say, we'll give you a, 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 a euro account. Banks don't. No, there should be a euro account that goes with it. So we've got an, an, an absolute advantage mm. to UK business. That never happened. So it's a nightmare getting a euro account as a British business is hard. Yep. You know it. You're there. But the other thing that really pissed me off is, is, is with Brexit is this bullshit story where politicians said, oh, but, but Brussels makes the rules. Well, they do make the rules, and it's a joint consensus between all 27 states, okay? So it is made in Brussels. I'm not going to argue with that. But when that whole tampon tax thing came out, I'm going to use that as an I example. really pissed me off. I'm not, I'm, I don't agree, I'm not actually a feminist. I just believe in everybody having a right, okay? Yeah, no, absolutely So this has got right. nothing to do with no, women. Right. It's basically a Correct. right. Correct. The tampon tax, if you expect a group of people to use a particular product... It should not have tax on it. I don't think condoms should have tax on it. I don't think contraceptives should have tax on it. And I don't think any uh, female sanitary product should have tax on it. And when the government turned around and said, yes, but this is a a law agreed by Europe, I'd have gone, no problem. Again, I'd have had that microphone set up outside number 10 a lot if I was Prime Minister. It would have been literally all day and night because every now and I get a bit pissed off, I'm going out and having a word. (laughs) I'd have gone out there and I'd gone, right, from tomorrow morning, no business in the UK can charge tax for sanitary products. Full stop. There'll be a list on the government website in every company, no tax. You won't be charged it. You don't charge it to the customers. That's over. I'm sending our best lawyer to the European Union, to Brussels, to sit down with them and tell them to fuck off. Simple as that. It's you not can, happening anymore. You can make changes. Of course you can. If you are in, it's in, in there. people's rights as a human being in a modern country to not have to pay tax on a product you're expected to use. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. to charge them tax on it. I don't understand it. And yet, it's the same in France. They're paying these taxes. But yeah. I think it's changed a bit now. But the problem we have with politis- to- politicians is they haven't got any balls anymore. They, haven't got, they don't understand why they're there. Mm. They don't realise that their only job is to fight for the people is to work for the people. They're being paid by the That's people. How it should be. And then they stand there and go, sorry, I can't talk to the press or I'm too busy. Not too busy. Have a word. We've got some questions, mate. Answer them. We want to know what's going on here, here, here. Yeah. Why are you blowing up people in this country? We haven't got any problem with them. It's not about the safety of this country. Actually making it less safe by doing that. That's, that's, that's the, the problem. We think we're going around the world saving people. Who are we saving? We're not saving anybody. We're making the citizens of our own country less safe. 
They can't travel to Kenya without being abducted. They can't do many things you used to be able to do. Why are we abusing all these people? Why are, why are governments not understanding that they're only there to do one thing, and that's to work for you and me who pay them? Yeah, I mean, I say this a lot of the times, you know, when I'm trying to get export permits. Uh, I mean, Brexit happened because you have different generations wanted different things. So you have the slightly older, I'm just generalizing here, by the way, slightly older who wanted uh, the empire back. Then you had uh, the young who actually didn't bother to go and vote. Majority didn't because Why it bother? was raining that day. Why bother? You know, What's it going to change? It was raining. They didn't go out. And then the next day they were demonstrating because, <laughs> seriously, they said, we want another vote. Where was this? Late. This was Brexit vote. Really? Yeah, I remember uh, there was a lot of um, the polls done and and I thought it's never going to happen and I remember that day I was driving and I had a conversation with a very wealthy client of mine and he said uh, thank God we'll be out and when he said it with all his investments and I thought wow we got no chance so uh, and that uh, that evening we went out for dinner with some of the dads from uh, the school my daughter goes to and none of them had bothered to vote. They were too busy. They were yeah, coming out for dinner. Well, everyone thought it was not going to happen. It was not going to happen. Everybody thought it. Even Farage stood there on the day and went, obviously, we're not going to win. Exactly. But he did that I for a reason. That. But there was a lot of back-channeling going on here. There was a lot of bad stuff going on. Yeah. But everybody was up to yeah, bad, yeah. bad stuff. But I think the, cons the Conservatives who didn't want Brexit didn't believe it'd ever go through. I think half the population didn't vote because they went, won't go through. And that's, how, that's what allowed the people who wanted it. Because the people who were staunch out of Europe went, I'm voting. The people that didn't want out went, You're it's so okay because all right. the others will vote. So if you did a vote right now and you did it online, which it should be, voting yep. should be online. You shouldn't have to go and stand in a queue. <laughs> 2023, <laughs> what, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? It's not, we're not giving out ration books after the war. You Get your shit together. We've got computerisation. Right we're sending now. probes to Mars. Yeah. And yet people are queuing in the street and taking a with day paper. off work to vote. What, what are you doing? Yeah, it should pay. be on your phone. Yeah. App. Boom. Done. Vote. Do it. Easy. It takes a second oh, back you're to right. work. And if they did it now, they we would definitely be in Europe. And also, I think if you're making monumental governmental change to your country, 50-50 isn't right. It should be 60-40. Oh, God. Absolutely. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to change something. Look, look, at, look at the history of the Greek Empire. Why did that go to shit? They gave everybody the vote. Right, everybody had the vote, and they made silly decisions because they didn't understand geopolitical situation of the Greek fleet, which sailed to Sicily. Everybody, let's all go there, send them all, vote, all of them go. Right, they did it in the general assembly. The whole country voted. Yeah, we're really powerful. End of the Greek Empire. Persians came down and fucked them. Yeah. It's a story you can read in history books. Yeah, democracy's great to a point. But you can't just give everybody the vote on everything. But you should have major, major, major stuff should be voted on. Uh, they do it in Switzerland, don't they? Yeah. They do you have a very high uh, proportion of educated, highly educated in Switzerland. <laughs> so you can give them all the vote. I mean, we, look, we were here to talk about caviar. Yeah, we could course. talk about the education system. I'll probably do that another day. <laughs> but I think the reason I said it was because I know that you're a UK-based UK business. And so Brexit has definitely yeah. damaged your business, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean... So previously, I mean, we had yachts that you were ringing me, telling me that tomorrow they're, they're sailing at 10 o'clock, get some caviar over. So we'd box it up, we'd ship it at 4 in the afternoon, 9 o'clock in the morning, you had the caviar, it was on the boat. Absolutely. To get an export permit now, it's taken me four weeks. Yeah. And, and, I, and I chat, and I'll give you a perfect example. We have a very wealthy 
big caviar lover client in Oslo and he called me about two years ago December and this was second third of December he said uh, we've got an event that's happening on the 17th of December I need 10 kilos of caviar I said absolutely no problem he said if it's if it's here the day before great if not cancel it now you start that process of preparing the caviar and, and getting your permits uh, it takes time and if you don't make it on the last day it's all been for nothing yeah. and all that caviar is packed in those specific tins then you've got to find someone else to buy it yeah. all yeah. and every client has different requests yeah. so we, I put my application to the British authorities and uh, the 12th of December I contacted them I said how are we doing oh, we haven't even looked at it yet I said this, this can't happen so I contacted our office in Berlin and I said help me out and this is documented email goes out at 2.30 on a Friday afternoon 5 o'clock they said your permits are ready do you want to pick them up from Bonn or should we just overnight them so Monday morning we received them uh, it was on a flight to Oslo literally the, you know, three days later yeah. so I sent all of that to the head of CITES UK in Bristol and I said this is how they're working in Europe you know 12 days you still haven't looked at my application yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's taking four weeks and if you want us to be competitive now that we're outside the EU you're going to have to do things differently yeah. yes of course we're employing new people we've got to train them up nothing's changed yeah. 2023 now vote was in 2016 you know they should have really been more ready well you know so we hold our caviar part of my stock as you well know is held in the EU for people like us for people like you and we're trying to uh, get it to you almost as if we're, we're still in the EU yeah yeah it's, it's a really tricky thing. I mean, look, I'm not going to claim that every country in Europe has got their shit together. I think there's a lot of issues across the board in many, many countries with many subjects. But food supply should be instant, shouldn't be questioned. Completely it's agree. food. I'm not saying people don't do dodgy stuff. Of course, we all know that the Italian uh, oil fiasco where they were buying oh, yeah. oil from other countries yeah. and then pretending it was Italian because the quantity of Italian oil was wanted was high and they didn't have a quantity because they had a bad crop and there was disease and all this kind of shit. So we know that people in food industries will, will do bad shit, but that's what the authorities are there to do. They're there to regulate and make sure it doesn't happen and to check. But it shouldn't stop the flow of food. Oh. When the UK recently was talking about, uh, oh, we've got no tomatoes because the, the crop failed in northern Spain, it was absolute bollocks wasn't true i had tomatoes here every day oh. from spain it was bullshit that the uk supermarkets generally told people because they're in cahoots with the government that's why they're falsifying their pricing and putting prices of food up too high because oh, they do not ridiculous. they don't care about anybody except for their bonuses and the shareholders i get by the way i understand i understand business i'm not an idiot i understand shareholders need to be uh, um successful i get that okay i understand how the world works <laughs> i'm not going to pretend i'm an idiot but you cannot tell me and i said it in a podcast back in march i said there will be supermarkets going to court for this because i can tell you when europe changed and went to the euro price gouging happened right because nobody really knew the price of a euro against a franc and a peseta and a deutschmark and all those currencies disappeared and we had a, we had a oh, euro. Yeah, and they went, right, yeah. it, it would have been a euro 50 for a, an espresso at your local coffee yeah. in the market. Now it's 190. So they banged on a very high percentage. And that was the same in supermarkets across, across Europe. It was an opportunity for everybody to go, right, we'll bunk the price up and make a bit more money. 
nobody saw it nobody knew nobody noticed didn't it didn't even notice and it. I'm not going to give I'm not going to point the finger at any individual it just happened everywhere everybody knew that this was an opportunity that they couldn't miss and now with 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 uh, with um, Brexit perfect storm of Brexit and, and a pandemic they're doing it again mm. and look at the prices in the supermarket I know for a fact they're not going to have that much in real in real terms yeah. I just see suppliers my suppliers supply people who supply me taking a piss I know they're taking a piss some of them aren't some of them are I know that you've been very kind with your prices towards us I know that some are absolutely ripping they're taking the hell advantage out of, me. of it they're, they're taking it. advantage and it and you know my clients come to me and say well how come the prices are high my caviar prices haven't changed in years no exactly haven't you and I spoke about years. this uh, you know the metal tins the empty metal tins we put the caviar in they've doubled in price since yeah. Covid and there's no reason they say there's not enough raw materials they keep sh- supplying us short orders um, caviar prices have gone up but the way I look at it is clients like you have been with us for 12 years um, we've got to now step up and look after you so I don't really want to adjust my prices and one of my top three Michelin star restaurants said, Ramin, all our fish, meat, Everything. supplies, everyone just put their price up. 20%. If you want to put 30%. it up, put your price up because it'll be fine. We accept it now, but don't surprise us later. I said, no, this is it. We have taken um, your trust. Now it's my job to deliver. You can count on it. Keep the caviar on the menu because if it gets too expensive, you take all the luxuries off. So that's the way we are. And as you well know, uh, you can count on, on stable pricing, stable quality, stable service. I want to move the subject on to yachting. And I want us, well, you, not me, I want you to give me an education and definitely the clients we have some education. Because I have a lot of clients, they say, send me a caviar list. They send that to the owner or the, the, the charter client and then they come back and they'll order Beluga in the middle of August. And I always say to the chef, that might not be the best option. In fact, I pre-tell them oh, that. definitely now. not now. Yeah, it's too I'll, hot. I'll be honest with you. Where's the first of all? If you're a yacht chef, right, and you know your food, you know you got your shit together, but you want to know more about caviar. Tell me what caviar should I be buying at different times of the year? Now, if I'm in the Caribbean at Christmas time, opposed to the Caribbean oh, in February, gotcha. or in the Indian Ocean in the middle of December, compared to Mediterranean in the summer, what caviar at those times of year should I be ordering to get the best for the client? There's certain things to bear in mind here, Damien, by the way. There isn't a hard and fast rule about everything. Okay. Uh, so it depends which supplier you go to, which farm it was produced. You can buy awful caviar, awful beluga in yeah, December. Course, yeah, yeah. But generally, uh, my I'm talking about buying it from you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll only talk about my own experience and the way I buy caviar. Is October, November, December, January, February, beluga is wonderful beautiful big eggs lots of creamy flavor beluga royale uh, again uh, i think a lot of chefs because the every company calls it a different name okay sure so i've got two royal beluga and then triple zero grade correct reserve. this is just the way you and i work yeah that it'll always be the same we never change this royal beluga is slightly lower quality smaller eggs darker color uh, reserve beluga is the one that we've selected triple zero the three zeros was set by the Iranian fisheries back in the 70s. They point to the very best of all three sections. Row size, texture, color. Treble zero is the very best. So say that again. Row size. Row size. Texture. Texture, soft or yeah, oh, color. Those okay. are the three. What color should beluga be? Um, reserve beluga should be gray, light gray, medium okay. light gray. And royal beluga? Royal beluga generally black gray, dark gray, uh, anthracite. Okay. 
Um, and it should have a little marble in it where the I take it where it's connected where uh, that string's been connected to the the, an umbilical cord, the little uh, pupil of the eye I pointed to a little black spot in there is where it was connected the little marbly effect you get is almost we see that you know what this is not a hard and fast rule different experts have different opinions the marbling effect you get when the egg is overmaturated a bit okay so it's just going past stage five into stage six okay. a little bit too far that's what that relates to but the little point that you see is generally the rule that you look for to identify beluga visually okay as a, a, a novice um generally you should see it from a mile away but there are certain savrugas which same similar coloring uh, large eggs of savruga you definitely think well, i have to look at it twice but the flavor will tell you everything. Okay, so what is the difference in the flavor of those two? Because obviously Saruga is much cheaper. Much cheaper, but that's only traditionally because in the Caspian Sea, there was a lot more Saruga, so the price was lower. Okay. They matured at a younger age. Beluga took younger to mature. In the wide, you see them maturing at 25, 30 years old. In captivity, 12 years old. Um, and Saruga in captivity is maturing at about six years old. But to be honest, they're very finicky what they eat. And when they produce caviar, so generally not many farms invested in Sivruga sturgeon. But what's the taste difference? I put, um, on, I put some. But that's to do with price. Is when I put it on my tongue, how am I going to tell I the difference between Sivru those two? I think Sivruga is slightly stronger flavour. Uh, beluga is creamy, more fishy. If it's slightly older, less fishy when it's fresh, but uh, it's you will taste the salt slightly more with the Sivruga because it's got less flavours to give. Three percent salt. We put three and a half percent. I've got this on my list to do salting in a minute because I think yeah, that's we'll a talk about that. separately. Very isn't important. It's a different so, subject. So, so this is the between your belugas. Yeah. Your your. So let's just cover that. The royal beluga, which which we we call it royal yeah. beluga. We have it on our tins as royal beluga, yeah. but that's going to be darker. Still yes. still grey, but yeah. not not Dark black gray. black. Yeah. But sort of anthracite. It's going to be darker than the reserve. The reserve's going to be a special bit, selection. A bit grey. Reserve is is is, is, is lighter colour. Larger eggs. I think you get more flavour from the reserve. Are they firmer? Uh, no, beluga, you never get really firm eggs unless you pasteurise them, which I'm completely against. Okay. I, d I haven't sold pasteurised caviar, I don't think, for like 30 years. I think the first few years, customers were asking me for longer shelf life. So I'd say, okay, fine, we'll stock pasteurised caviar. We don't have a pasteurising machine. Okay. Um, and that basically cooks the eggs. Yeah. So you get a really thick skin and it's bitey, and I don't like that. I think caviar should be delicate. And and so, I'm so, so now we get to Ossetra. Yeah, Ossetra. Uh, thicker skin. So is it Ossetra? Ossetra? Russians call it Ossetra. Uh, Iranians call it Asetra, A-S. And I like to have a name, which I did the spelling many years ago, the way I like it spelled, O-S-I-E-T-R-A, Ossetra which sort of is somewhere between the Iranian translation and the Russian, okay. the way we say it. And, um, and I find that Ossetra has a, has a really nice flavor. It's slightly creamy, but it's got a lovely, um, slightly nutty flavor at the end. And the, the salt shouldn't be doing the talking. The creaminess should be doing the talking. 3.5% salt. And then you have a um, golden Ossetra. Now, obviously, from the Caspian Sea, we had from the Iranian waters with Asipensa persicus, which was Persian sturgeon in, 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 in Latin, it was Asipensa persicus. And um, we had uh, B plus quality, A quality, and the golden caviar was from a rare variety of the persicus. From the Russian waters, uh, it was the golden which was uh, the dark color and the light color. You had those, etc., and the golden, etc. 
in captivity because they've taken the fish from the Amur River, they've taken the fish from the Danube. You have various different fish, as I said, 34 members of the Stasian family. So we get the imperial gold from our Shrinkidaricus, which is from the river, the Yellow River, which ran between Russia and China. Um, and it's been Shrinky, and, uh, and also if we get a really special, it has to be very special, uh, golden version, big eggs. But you get that lovely hazelnutty aftertaste. It's the most popular caviar we sell this year. I completely agree with we've you. Gone it's my favourite. We've gone from, I would have said, more uh, Ossetra Royale. Mm. Um, now, it, it's this year we've probably sold more of the gold than ever before. But it's got different names depending on which company's selling it. Yeah. So what I want to try and get out there is when somebody orders Tsar Imperial... Yeah, let's get the confusion out of it. Yeah. Okay, so you have all these fantasy names that companies have come <laughs> up with because yeah. they think that people get confused with the Latin names because 34 members of the family. And then on top of those 34, they've now cross-bred some of these. Yeah. So you can end up with 40, 50 different fish. I mean, there are some of them that are not farmed. So... Um, we have marketing names, which goes on the top label, and we have the Latin names, which by law has to go on the bottom label, where we have the nutrition, nutritional information, uh, the ingredients, and the Latin names, and where it was produced, and okay. when it was produced. So, um, And that's what that back code is. Yeah. That's what that's all about. It gives all the information. Correct. The long need. code on there, which is on our website, and also I think you've, you've got it somewhere yeah, in print. Yeah, I've got it all written down, yeah. Um, we've, you know, I'm going to, I only stock caviar that I like myself. To be honest, and as you said at the beginning of this conversation, you said opinions are different. Yeah, it's my opinion, and a lot That's of my, my storeroom here, yeah. all the stock product I have is, is stuff I like exactly because I know the quality. I know when I'm selling it, being genuine. And that's the thing. You put your name to it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think your caviar is the same. And it's why oh, after 12 years, we still have this fantastic relationship. We have a because I know when I get caviar from you, it's top, top level. And you are giving me the correct information, which I pass to my clients. My clients are chefs who then tell the owners and the charter clients the information when they ask it. And therefore, I'm being genuine. If I'm buying my caviar from some company I don't know off the internet... And going well, I'll sell that, and I could name a few. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna name drop them because they don't des deserve to be mentioned. In all honesty, because some of them are buying crap from huge farms, you know that. I mean, there's one massive, massive company that's selling huge quantities of caviar, but a lot of it's not top grade. It's very low cost. They're doing a lot of trade. That's not what I'm trying to achieve here. I'm trying to buy the best quality I can. So my clientele, when they buy the caviar, get the best. But that's the same for everything I sell. I think you trust me, and I put my name on to on the caviar. Yeah. And I remember uh, being at uh, God, when was it? Two thousand three. I was at. A, I was called into a meeting at Selfridges, and the head buyer sat me down. So the assistant uh, fresh food buyer uh, was somebody I dealt with in the hotel business, and he got this job, and he wanted to bring me in. And um, he sat down with his boss in front of me, and she started asking me questions. And she said, why do you think we should buy from you? I said, well, it's your decision. But uh, a lot of these chefs that work in top Michigan-style restaurants, Gordon Ramsay's, Raymond Blanc, when they leave and set up their own business, the first person they call is me because they trust me. They forget my, what my company name was. They remember me. Yeah. And that comes from trust. And so uh, Andrew Cavana, who was the f fresh food buyer at the time, He's, he said, do you know, um, 
after, uh, he said, uh, do you know the one thing I never worried about was the caviar. Yeah. I worried about everything else that yeah, was buying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left it to run it. And she said, that's fine. That's what you want from a supplier. And then I started supplying them and then they said, okay, we're now going to entrust you with our own label. So we designed, with their help, designed their labels. We then would pack the caviar to their order and put the labels on it. So, you know, they were trusting me with their with their name with now, their branding with their brand yeah so that went on for about 15 years and then they they franchised the, the counter so yeah, it became did, more a commercialized decision rather than um some you know i, I remember you, standing there do you, do you not think that doesn't work long term this well, commercialization absolutely of, of that site type the of loyal thing. customers have gone from yeah. from selfridges i remember uh, standing there during december and it's a tourist spot now it is and I remember people standing in the queue to buy a caviar and I'd be helping the counter um, and and they would ask me a question and I'd tell them what's inside the tin how do you know I said well the thing is I was packing it yesterday myself mm. filling the tin weighing it vacuuming labeling it I did it myself but do you not think that this is a problem with all industry happen. generally I mean I was Harrods recently I went in and had a wander through I was quite amazed at the lack of care My God. I mean I worked uh, in Harrods many 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 really? many many oh, moons okay. ago in the ski department selling skis and equipment and clothing and stuff many many years ago i did it for a for a winter um i know from those days how strict they were and how professional it had to be i went in recently and was very surprised to see staff with a it's, mobile phone in their hand on the shop floor it's i would a, have thought that would have been outlawed it's a different beast now Howard. yeah it's not I the mean, same they called me in recently by the way to to um to pitch for their business super impressive Obviously, I don't want to talk details, but some of the stuff that I see being sold in department stores yeah. is sad. It's shocking. Mm. And you can't have trading standards checking every single tin of caviar. No. It's done on trust. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I go into these meetings and I don't tell them what they want to hear. And they don't want to do business with me. Fine. And they, they, they don't. They don't. Yeah. That's fine. But you see, that's, but that's the, the way problem I am. you have. You've got the same issue as me. I'll exactly tell people the, the truth. Issue. Some clients in the yachting industry, I'll tell them the truth and they'll never work with me. No, that's fine. I actually don't want to work with people that don't want the truth. I yeah. don't want to have. I don't get upset anymore, David. I'm, I'm going yeah, to. I don't get. Ups. Oh I no, get I do. Upset. I'm. Tri I, we've already been triggered on politics. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably get triggered on on food quality now. Um, any 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 chef in the superior industry who knows food should really care about where they're getting it from. In my opinion, now my business has grown to sell many things, not just food, but. I want professional people within my business to sell those things who understand it. You know, people with a lot of knowledge oh, about you're not on the same page. It really, yeah. I, I get upset yeah. when I hear that people, like well, chefs foaming, go oh, I had a delivery from so and so two weeks ago. It's terrible. And I go, okay, what? Tell me what is important to you, and I'll say, well, I need mangoes have to be the top top quality. I don't want those small five hundred, five hundred and fifty gram mangoes that come from Peru. Um, the really fresh ones are you know they're ripe as hell they're beautiful i want the 650 700 gram ones now i get that i bet you if you went and asked all the provisions in the yachting industry if they knew there was two sizes of peruvian mango at this time of year they wouldn't know that now you could buy the smaller one it's cheaper because it's got as much flesh on it, it doesn't weigh as much you're still paying per kilo but the kilo price is less if you go to the correct people if you get screwed by somebody you pay the same of course but if a chef on a yacht gets a 650-700 gram mango and the boss wants mango, he's cutting less mango because he's getting more flesh on it. 
seed's the same size in both of those mangoes. If you weigh it, the seed's the same, which means you're getting a lot more flesh on the bigger mango. Now, they're more expensive, but they're better. The more flesh means the more flavour you've got in there. Yep. It's not like some fruit, where if it's smaller, it's more flavoursome. It's not true with no. a mango. If it's at 650, 700 yeah. gram, you're still going to get the same amazing, beautiful, yeah. honey, sugary flavour that you get from a mango. But the chef's doing less work, and also it's more impressive to have a half cut correctly and folded out if you're displaying it. It looks, it looks better than the smaller mango. Yeah. So all of these things, for me, are intricate details of food that people mostly don't know. Yeah, because you take time to ask the question. It it takes. I Google it. I, I look, look at, at the them. I buy the stuff. I taste lines it. I that cut you do it. Here. I weigh it. Yeah. I get home on a weekend and I've got two of the two different mangoes. They're both proving. They're both fantastic. Yeah. They're different weights by huge huge amounts. Five hundred grams to seven hundred. I cut them both up. It I taste them both. I put the seed on the scale afterwards and I go, yeah, okay, seeds are the same. And I know because yeah. I care. Yeah. I bet you there isn't anyone else out there doing that. I see some really top chefs do that. Yeah. I don't see provisioners. No, of course. I, you know, we don't respect to all everyone. I don't see many. There are some, uh, but then it takes a lot of your private time out of your yeah, family but, life. But I know more about know. what I'm doing. Yeah. And if I want somebody to come to, yeah, my company and buy quality food, I want that chef to know he's not getting screwed. He's not. The price is the price because yeah. I know this information. You know the score. The chief executive of a company gets paid for making one decision. But he gets a huge amount of money for it. But he doesn't get it because somebody just decided on that. It's because of the knowledge that he has. Gordon Ramsay walks in, does a, a presentation. People know he knows what he's talking about because he's gone through it a thousand times. He's got intricate detail about it. He knows how to fillet it, where it comes from, the temperature of the water, everything, because he's made it his business to know that. And that's what I do. I make it my business to do it. And that's what you do. You make it your business to know those details because you give a shit about the end product it's not about the money i've always believed if you do those things correctly the money will follow absolutely it's about my my reputation yeah my reputation is worth so much that i just pick up the phone i can have a hundred thousand pounds of caviar arrive we pay for it later yeah and the customer like you trust me the caviar tin is sealed yeah you sell it it goes on a boat it gets unsealed a week later you've put all your trust in me and the last thing I want to do is to have a negative comment coming yeah, back yeah. to you thing is you never get a positive comment you get that's, a reorder that's you, the positive you, comment and that's something that people need to understand yeah. I mean I actually sent a, a voice message to a chef this morning we did a delivery early last week um, and I've not heard uh, not nothing that's good news and I <laughs> sent her a message and I went it's been a week <laughs> I said, so you're getting to the end of your charter. Obviously, you've received the invoice. All of the, Everything's been sorted out. But you've either not messaged me because you got what you wanted, you're happy with the quality, and you're just cracking on. You don't need to say anything. Or it's because it was so bad, you'll never speak to me again. <laughs> I said, I'd love, try that. I said, so I'd love to know which one it was. <laughs> and I said, happy Saturday. Because I kind of, I do care what that client thinks when a client doesn't contact me I'm like oh maybe it went really badly it's not that I don't have faith in what I do that's not the case it's because every client's different yeah, your opinion's Everybody different f- to somebody e- else's everyone feels opinion. differently your clients you could give the same tin to two yeah, different yeah, people I and agree. they'll be wildly Com- different opinions completely agree with you I've got examples I want to talk to you about salting yeah well that's should yeah. we do, do yeah we, because that brings us on to the right well, we've done Point. we've done the, the, the difference between the, the yeah. beluga but when you're opening a tin of Ossetra gold or royale what what's the difference 
I know uh, color, but tell tell them. It's it's not it's <laughs> tell not everybody. It's not manufactured on a conveyor belt. Yeah. So bear in mind, you can get two etcetras from the same shipment. They'll have different characters. Yeah. And that's the beauty of caviar. It's like it's, a wine. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and and the other day, I had this client. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is salting, which I'll come into detail in a second. But one of the issues that I've got with Brexit is that when we produce the caviar is 1% salt, it then lands in Frankfurt. I've got a week, 10 days to sell that caviar because it's going to change flavor quick. Mm. 1% rather than 3.5%. And I only make it for my specialist connoisseur customers who ask for it and they order it up front. And eat so, it quick. And eat it quick. They expect a six-week shelf life rather than a three-month shelf life. And uh, so... I can't wait four weeks to get my import payment to the UK. Yeah. So I hold it in the EU. As they travel around the EU, I then ship it to them wherever they are. So it'll be arriving the day they arrive. So if I open a tin of gold or cetera, what colour am I looking at? So gold or cetera, you're talking anything from a, a, a sort of medium bronze. I don't really like the yellows. So we go to a light bronze into... I don't really like the yellows. So, so those are the sort of ones I pick for my own because I actually think that when it goes too light you start getting less flavor okay. it's just my opinion I could be wrong somebody else could just your conjecture yeah <laughs> yeah and that's why we're passionate about what we yeah. do yeah well I'm the same with olive oil yeah. I I mentioned it in a previous podcast so I won't tell the same boring story but it really pisses me off when I go into a restaurant and they give me this bullshit about how everything's the best and they put on the table one of the shittest olive oils you could possibly buy and they give me cold bread no salt and, and they give you this dodgy olive oil and they expect me to dip it in and put it in my mouth what are you talking about I'm not putting anything in my mouth if it's not the best quality because now that's what I do as a living now if I was uh, you know if I did a different industry then I'd be different um, you know so let's be fair I'm a pain in the ass but I go in a restaurant and I have complaints from the moment I walk in pretty much because of the lack of common sense you cannot tell me or charge me Michelin star pricing Yep. and not provide Michelin star produce it's shocking I, I, I just, I'm shocked by it so many many times I was in London recently I went to a Michelin star restaurant from a very famous chef very disappointed I went to a Michelin star restaurant in France recently extremely disappointed I went to a restaurant <laughs> they need to be outed it was that bad you're not going to name them I hope I'm probably going to do a specific <laughs> podcast on it okay. rather than mention it now. Yeah. But everything about their restaurant was bollocks. Everything about it was bullshit. And when actually the way to the end say, said to me when I hadn't eaten my dessert, said to me, did you not like it? I mean, first of all, never ask somebody if they like it. Because if you're confident with your food, you don't need to. There won't be anything left on the plate. Uh, yeah. If it's a, a lady, maybe she leaves some because she's not wanting to fill herself up. Okay. So have some concept of what you're doing if you're yeah. a waiter, first of all. But never say to somebody, how was your meal? Is everything okay? Because the only, only bad thing that can happen is I'm going, no, shit, mate. Yeah, my wife hates it if I make a negative comment. She's just paid a bit, let's leave. There you go. come back again. That's very British, isn't it? <laughs> it's very British. <laughs> Actually, I do like it. Even them. though she's, she's Iranian, British. it's a very British. Oh, she's, she was born in the UK. Oh, was she? She's Iranian, ah, okay. but born in Wales. <laughs> right. But it's a very British thing to do Completely. is not complain. Well, I hadn't I complained. Love I love that. I hadn't complained for the whole meal. I do love a complaint in a restaurant, <laughs> tell them the truth. I've done it a few times in mission restaurants and gone, you having a laugh. 
crisp, crispy base. Soggy milk. No, but you do know f- your food. I know food, and yeah, that's the worst thing about it. I'm a pain in the ass yeah, to go out. You... Never go out for dinner with me. We'll go in tonight. <laughs> we are. But I'm taking you somewhere very nice, because a beautiful place, nice, amazing food. It won't be crap. It'll be amazing. It's probably the best meal you're ever going to have in your life. Let's see. But anyway, the guy said to me, did you not enjoy your dessert? I said, that was not bad it was terrible it's probably one of the worst desserts anybody's ever put in front of me i said it was absolutely shocking i said shockingly bad i said now ask me what the second worst dish i've ever had in my life was he went what was the second worst thing you've ever had in your life i went the main course <laughs> <laughs> he just sort of looked and he went and he actually had the audacity to go do you want me to get you a different dessert or would you <laughs> i went well, i've actually seen them all on the table she had the apple crumble. That wasn't a crumble. Don't get me started on apple crumble. Another trigger. I said, the tiramisu, I said, was fucking laugh. That was a joke. I mean, I actually thought you maybe had a camera in here and somebody's, somebody's punking me because they know what I'm like in a restaurant. They've gone, I heard Damien's going to that restaurant. Wind him up. Let's wind him up. Get some cameras in there. Probably going to be on MTV later. Even though nobody knows who I am, I'm the perfect person to, to, to punk because I lose my shit awful food I'll probably do a podcast so I won't say the restaurant because as many people go in there tonight you've got this fantasy that it's going to be nice do, do you agree Damien it's okay if they're passionate and they get it wrong it's 100%. Only, I get annoyed when they don't care yeah this is the thing but that's the same in any job if you give a shit about what you do mistakes happen it's how you it's how you solve it and even if you can't solve it the fact that you give a shit about it that that's terribly important mm. in my job provisioning to yachts I can never get it right uh, you know, honestly, I can count on my hand how many deliveries we've sent that were perfect. And the reason that's the case is because they'll send me a, a, a list on a Saturday. I can't order anything. I can order it, but nobody cares until Monday. And they want the delivery Tuesday morning. So I'm not got, I'm not got Saturday and Sunday to do that order. That's a dream. It's a Monday fantasy. Monday morning is hell. It's a fantasy. Here. Monday is the worst day here ever because all this stuff's come over the weekend. My staff will walk in on a Monday, having had Sunday off. People go, well, work Sunday. Yes, I do work Sunday, yeah, actually. I work, Sunday. I work seven days a week. Yeah. And I have some staff who work seven days a week. Um, and I've got some people who need a rest. Okay? We do deliveries on weekends. If we have them, we do them. Of course we do. Can't shop on a Sunday. Nowhere's open. So what am I going to do? Bring shoppers in to sit in the office and in an air-conditioned office and do nothing? No. If you send me an order on a Saturday afternoon, nothing happens with that order till Monday. I can order it, but nothing actually physically happens. You want it Tuesday morning at 9. So I've literally got one day, all the orders day at the same time. to do 450 lines, plus all Sunday and Monday, you're texting on the WhatsApp group add-ons and changes. That's wow. very hard to keep a track of. Wow. Oh, can you take off the sea bream? Can you add sea bass? Can you make sure the sea bass is not fillets and big? I want them in 200 gram portions. I accidentally wrote the wrong thing on my list. Damien. Unfortunately, I've done the whole fruit and veg order wrong because I've got the quantity of clients wrong. I'm going to resend it to you. And, and that just continues and continues and continues. And the last minute, can you add on eight packets of Pringles? Well, we've done this before. Eight packets of Pringles when we're on the way to the boat. Seems like you could just pick it up in any supermarket. They want barbecue Pringles. Walk in the supermarket, the driver goes in with his car. He goes, right, I'll quickly grab them. It's three. We deliver three and the boat goes, are you retarded? I needed eight. Can you not count? Do you not care? It's yeah, like, add the we were on the way to the order for god's sake and if you're late for the delivery it's well you're late we're leaving ports you can't be late so it's all of these factors yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, makes we, it very hard to actually finish yeah. an order 
which has got 100, 200, 300, 400 line items. It's not like I've got this warehouse. You click, you put it into a computer, and you go, and this conveyor belt goes, and it comes to the door, and I go, great, yeah, yeah. that impossible to find item from Peru's just arrived. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not like Amazon yeah, where yeah. you click a button and you go, where's my shit? I've just, I've ordered it. Is that the door? Is that the door? <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what people do with Amazon. Amazon's caused a lot of trouble because now people have this instant. It, it, I just ordered it from Amazon. It's one day delivery. It'll be here tomorrow. And if it's wrong, I'll send it back. And if it's, I just send it back and it's free <laughs> for me care. to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with high-end fresh food, that's an impossibility. You can't send it back. I had somebody try and send send some food back the other day because I said, I ordered badly. I don't need this much. A fresh fish filleted. I was like, I can't take Straight that in the back. Bin. I can't take it back. I can't sell it to another customer. Correct. I might not get Sea Bream for two days ordered, or all my orders are already in, so they've been pre- they're being prepared or for tomorrow. I can't just tell my fishmonger, "Oh, you know that Sea Bream I put in three days ago? Don't do it because somebody just sent three fillets back." It's not how it works. Yeah, and exactly on that point, I, I, I was called into this uh, world famous department store recently and they said uh, when the caviar gets close to its end of life we want you to take it back and give us fresh caviar I said what does that tell you about the lack of respect I've got for my other customers my customers have been with me for 25-30 years so I'm going to give them out of date caviar and then I'm going to give you fresh because you didn't sell it because you didn't sell it and you're in the front of the queue and they're in the back of the queue now I said they're the ones who supported my company all these years that's never going to happen they didn't like that is that what they asked you they asked me and that's pretty much on top of the list the second on wow. the list was uh, you know uh, I can't remember what it was staff training or something I said I'd train them staff um, training th- yeah I said how I w- to sell caviar yeah I said I would train them but then I can't be there uh, as they rotate for new stuff they just train each other you know you yeah. train them and it becomes an in-house thing I think that was the second on their list wow. but you know sometimes you walk away and you think well I did my best I wasn't going to lie you know sometimes as a business owner or a salesperson you've got to say no you've you could to say lie no. not Damien you could lie and but take no, the caviar back change the date put it back to them uh, of but course, I yeah. didn't want to lie it, it, it doesn't end well I think I think you have to be honest sometimes we make mistakes you make mistakes we all make mistakes that's normal for human beings yeah. I think as we get back to the point that you made it's how you deal with the mistake yes and if somebody doesn't tell you you've made a mistake don't expect me to repair a mistake because if you haven't told me there's a problem how am I supposed to solve it yeah. the problem I have is this distance issue if I'm delivering, we delivered to Rome this morning. Oh. If there's something wrong with that order and he's going to Sardinia, I'm fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. What am I going to do? Yeah. What can I do? What, Damien, you're doing all your preparation in advance to make sure it's right, yeah. less things but can it, go wrong. We it, do that with the but, caveat. But it can't be yeah. right. It, any, anybody who works in a boat who believes going to a provisioner is a one-stop solution to your problems is living in a fantasy land because it can't be right because there's so many changes. If you're working on a boat, yacht whatever you want to call it um and you've got a charter on friday this week coming you're waiting for a prefer- preference list so what do you do do you go and buy all your food create your order and then find out day before mm. the vegetarians mm. or they don't eat red meat you're right or they only want wagyu no, got or they only want sea bream yeah. or they don't eat flash fish or they don't eat crustaceans. So you're sitting there with an order going, well, I've got to have food. If I don't have food and I don't order it, it's not on the boat. The clients will turn around and go, where's the food? But if you do go and buy everything and you give them a bill with black cod on it and nobody eats black cod, they'll go, well, I'm not paying for that. We didn't have it. <laughs> now, this is where the industry's got a bit of an issue. If How do you, they solve it? Then? Well, if you don't give preferences to the boat four days in advance, 
you should have to pay for whatever comes. Basically, because the chef can't have an empty galley, can he? He can't have... If you only want to have mango in the morning, and he orders 10 mango for the trip because he doesn't know that, you can't expect to have mango every day. So therefore, you can't complain about it if you don't give a preference. But we're talking about super rich. You can have mango brought out to the boat. You can use agencies all over the world now, any place, to get your mango. But they might not be the best mango. Because if you go from here, where I have the best Peruvian large mango that are unreal, and you go to... um, Naples for example maybe they don't have that variety there this week or they don't have them fresh this week because it's not as accessible for food like it would be here so you've always got to understand that as a yacht chef yeah and you you know and the thing is they go to Greece and they get shit food and they turn around and go Greece was a nightmare (laughs) and you're like and you do get pissy what's the point (laughs) you got pissy with me about a carrot (laughs) do you know what I mean it's very very difficult but I think with with caviar as well you have the same issue because yeah. it is travelling distance to get to people yeah. everybody's not just sitting in London no exactly can I have caviar please on a Tuesday exactly it's all, you're sending it all over the place all over the world it? I've got uh, I, I had a, a, an experience about 7-8 years ago I had a call at 9 o'clock in the evening uh, our time on my phone and this guy says I need a kilo of caviar uh, so very uh, famous VIP Russians arrived and he's, he stipulated your caviar and he took his phone out and showed a picture of a caviar he said he said no I've got Petrosiana I've got Caviari I've got this he said no no this is the only one I want I want a kilo and I said when he leaves you never call me again he said I'll tell you what send me four kilos I sent it to him <laughs> and he said nice upsell <laughs> well I didn't suggest that he suggested it and he said the the VIP who recommended you took the kilo and all his other chums on the other yachts wanted to keep up so they wanted the same as yours I know he does like it and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Russian sanctions we don't want to mention any names but this is before sanctions many years before and and he said when we sell you a cabin people come back and they want it again I said but that's your answer and he basically bought 25% of his stock from us the following year 50% then 90% of all his caviars from us and they uh, all went to uh, shit uh, <laughs> but you know, we need to be paid yeah. uh, so, but everything is everything is good and a lot of Russians have now left yeah. uh, so they're in Dubai now have, so you st- have you still got a lot of Russians in London? very few who are not on the sanctions list and they're not spending that much but okay. they are still buying I mean they, there was one particular Russian who I've known since ni- 2010 he would come on a Friday evening to the office and uh, probably, as he's tasting, he would eat half a kilo. And uh, he was tasting it? Just tasting half a kilo of beluga. What do you mean eat? And he would say, can I try that? And you'd give him a bit, and he wanted more and more and more and more. And then next thing he said, I'll take two kilos of that. Of course, he'd pay for it. And then so he would eat half a kilo? Easily. On order the another two? And then take it at the weekend and finish it. And then he's the one who said to me, I don't really like all that salt. I said, well, it's 3.5% salt to preserve it, to bring the flavours out. But when you eat half a kilo in one go, the salt is going to build up on your palate. So obviously we had to do things different for him. And he's been a loyal client for, what, 13 years. So let's talk about salting. Salting. So many Um, years ago, just to give a bit of background, um, I asked you about basically why is it salted? And your answer was, well when this whole industry really started there wasn't refrigeration like there is these days so actually people would expect quite a salty caviar and you said to me if it's very salty it's not great caviar it's probably there to disguise something would you say that's probably true good memory yeah i mean i think we're talking probably early 19th century that they were transporting caviar in um in in, in wooden cut uh, 
with you know, barrels. casks, yeah. barrels, yeah. Like a wine, like a massive wine barrel. Yep. So Oversalted it, and it would just almost go solid. It would cook the caviar, and, and it would be bulletproof. And it wasn't transported, refrigerated. And then when you opened it, you had that really smelly, fishy. Uh, it was accepted that was the norm. But uh, then, you know, refrigerators and, 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 and good cold chains were reliable. Salting came down to about 6% salt. And uh, in summertime, and in winter it was less. Uh, now, with just cleanliness, lack of bacteria in the labs and in the production area, uh, we are now pretty much found that 3.5% salt gives you the maturation and the flavors and also protects the caviar. Yeah. 3.5%. I think anything more attacks the palate, anything less shortens the shelf life. I don't, I'm not a fan of pasteurizing. I think we should sterilize the empty tins, sterilize the utensils. Tables should be clean. And obviously, they have to wear protective equipment, uh, you know, wear what they're wearing. And if you take all that bacteria out of it and salt three and a half percent, the caviar will keep six months easily. Yeah. But when we produce caviar into the 1.8 kilo tin, so it's come into contact with air once, out of the fish, into that one, you know, obviously washed very quickly salted and separated from the membrane first then washed then salted then filled in the tin uh, lids closed that's come into contact with air once they'll put about 10 months shelf life on that caviar but we've got to store it at minus 3 minus 3 is the optimum temperature to hold caviar caviar with its salt content and its oil starts to freeze at minus 9 so minus 3 they'll give it 10 months shelf life you hold that caveat plus five it's not going to last oh really yes so then when we get the orders from yourselves from other clients on a sunday i would probably pack the caviar gets vacuum it's coming to contact with air a second time so it goes from the 1.8 kilo tin to 50 gram 100 125 to 50 gram tins so now we give it a shorter shelf life now eho have visited us given us five star rating for many many years he says it's up to you what you want shelf life you want to put on it. Put a year on it. You get somebody upset with the flavor. You're responsible. So we did some uh, hard and fast testing where we pack some samples, put them in our fridge at minus three, and then send it for lab testing and check the bacteria count. It hasn't moved. So I could have gone to four months, five months. But then I think we sell it out of selfages to Mrs. Jones who gets on the bus and visits yeah. a few relatives then goes home we're responsible you know six months shelf life on that doesn't work for me yeah. three months and you are selling your caviar very fast so your caviar gets here and then within a week it's gone well, so there's the, no the, reason for it to have six months no and the caviar arrives here um, I think we have a three month life when it arrives yeah. but in reality you know the caviar we have goes out that week usually correct and it goes out and, and that's for the clients who are on a charter or a trip and Absolutely. the trip is usually maybe three weeks yeah. maximum yeah. so I know that we're, we're good but the dates are on anyway so it's not a problem but I know it's fresh fresh caviar so yeah. it's, it's it's got fine. to be you know we pull va uh, uh, vacuum on these tins at about half a millibar and you know sometimes I have seen somebody will open it take a spoon out a month later they say oh your caviar is a bit oxidized well of course air has got in there two enemies of caviar yeah, yeah. temperature and, and air so when you open it if you're a chef on a boat and you're opening a tin of caviar I mean I always say to them buy a 125 gram tins rather than 250 great size in my opinion it means you can open if you want two two 
1.25 grams it means you've got one for now the other one's going to be fresher when you open it later on in the charter the problem with a 250 gram tin is you open it they don't eat it all you put it in the fridge it's getting oxidized immediately it's not going to be as nice in two or three yeah. days time if they say don't want caviar for three or four days time or five or six days time that caviar is probably not going to be very good anymore yeah Whereas if you've got a fresh tin that's vacuumed and not opened, you've still got perfect caviar. So for me, it's kind of the reason why I like to sell 125 no, so do I. tins. Uh, uh, Damien, it's my name and your name yeah. attached to it. The, the, the client will eat that half a tin of 250 gram after three weeks, two weeks' time. He said, that caviar wasn't so good. Absolutely. It's then got it, our name on it. And then the chef turns around and says, Damien, the client said your caviar wasn't very good. Well, hold on a minute. Tell me the full story. Because I'm not getting the full story. <laughs> Just saying it's not good. When did when did they say that? Well, we opened it on the Tuesday. They they ate half the two fifty gram tin, and they said oh, we'll have that tomorrow. But they forgot, and they were out yeah. at a restaurant. And then the next day, one of them was feeling a bit sick. So they didn't want to have caviar, and it was four days later. And you've got a tin open in the fridge. Is it been pushed on properly? Even yeah. what temperatures have been at? Has but it been got in air in there? They haven't got fridges running at minus no, three no, no, on no, boats. No. I look. I've been on boats. Yeah. You go in there, and I've, I remember years ago, and I got on a boat. We were sitting on TV, and the chefs had come down, so I went down, had a little chat with him, and hey, I wander around. And I said, show me what the storage is like. So he said, oh, this is a walk-in fridge. And I walked in, I went, what temperature is this? And he looked at the thing and he went, five degrees. I went, absolutely not five degrees. hundred percent, it's not five. You can hold a tin of caviar, you can feed it. this is ten. I mean, yeah, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, he, he said, well, it says five. I said, no, get another thermometer. He got it checked and it was not right. And it had to be, had the gas refilled and the, con the, the condenser wasn't yeah. working properly yeah. so it, just because it says five doesn't mean it was five yeah, no i've been in, i've been in kitchens i've been in and out of kitchens for yeah. 33 years and i've been in kitchens and it's during service they're opening this door and it's running plus 12 yeah yeah yeah. it's and constantly it's, open and closed yeah. open and closed it can't keep temperature can't keep it. Yeah, so even keep if it's a good fridge yeah. in fridges that are not open that much yeah i mean you can't hope to hold it minus three because everything else would freeze so hold it at zero in a fridge that doesn't have this fluctuation of temperature. I've always said super yachts should have a caviar fridge. Oh yeah, absolutely. It doesn't cost much. Small, small fridge. Small fridge. Don't need to be big. That big. Yeah. Set at one degree, zero, one degree. Beautiful. Happy days. But you know, no one, no one listens. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the real caviar lovers, they do, they do have caviar in their fridge all year round. Yeah. I've got caviar connoisseurs. So as you know, Damien, you and I, our businesses have grown together. So many years ago, I, I mean, the, the journey I started was all about Michelin star restaurants yeah. uh, and then gradually as caviar connoisseurs were eating at these Michelin star restaurants they'd ask for my number so I've now got a huge VIP list that buy directly from me they call me they say what's so good at the moment I said well yesterday I had some gold caviar right it's very special and I have even royalty buying from me and they call me they whatsapp me and it's about trust and their names never go out um, and great great meeting i had with uh one of the number one football guys we have in the uk called me in on a sunday to his house introduced me to all his kids and and his wife and tasted the caviar and he asked me all the questions that the first time caviar consumer yeah. would ask and then he trusts me so i ship him caviar wherever he goes cool. uh, it's about trust and it's about you know my opinion is this do you agree with what i've selected for you and he just said oh can i have it slightly different you get it just right so recently this russian client said uh we're back in the uk can we have some low so, low, low salt caviar and i said well, i'm holding all my low salt in the eu uh and she said well no i'd rather this i'd rather that. i said look i'll tell you what i'm going to find something special i'm going to send it to you you pay me when you're ready sent it she just texted me when i was on the flight here just as we were about to take off and it said 
absolutely perfect. Okay. Can I have more? Yeah. So, you know, it's my opinion. I thought it was it would be right for her. There are certain osetras where the salt doesn't do the talking, the creaminess does, and I got it just right for her. So so um a chef on a boat, you know, has had a preference saying we like caviar. That's all he's That's got. So hard to deal yeah. with. So what, do you, what do you do? Uh, you know what, Damien? What should you do? I, I, I go middle of the lane. Mi- middle of the road, you can't go wrong. With Osetra or Imperial Goat, you can't go far wrong. Now, I have clients who love salt. And I send them berry. They say, wow, that was the best caviar I ever had. Because the salt content. Because the salt content. Yeah. And the thing is, because um, of the way the flavor is structured, the salt shows itself more. And sometimes, this this is going to be it's going to be difficult to try and put it into words. Sometimes, very early in its life, as the salt crystals sit on the outside of the row, you taste the salt more. Yeah. Then as it gets absorbed and it matures, it becomes less salty on the palate. As I'm talking caviar in general, by the way. Yeah. As the caviar gets old to around six months old, because you're losing a lot of the subtlety, you're now getting the salt flavors coming through. So do you think it needs salt? 100% it needs salt. I've had caviar with no salt, two or three hours old, Bland is like eating paper. No flavour. No flavour at all. So and the salt is... Yeah, well, look. I think it's part of it. We did it here the other day. We were cooking burgers. I wanted everyone to have a Wagyu burger because I hadn't had them. Um, if you don't put salt and pepper on it, it's just raw meat. Yeah. It's very similar, isn't it, yeah. with things like... With the caviar, of course. I the agree. salt does bring out the flavours of the meat. Yeah. It does bring out the flavour of the of the eggs, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's something that a lot of chefs always say you've got to season correctly. Sure. You know, if you don't season your food correctly, that's where the caviar master comes in. Yeah. He's the one who that starts selecting uh, the fish that looks at the excise. He then decides exactly is it three percent, three and a half percent, three point seven percent salt. He's the one who decides that from the structure of the eggs he sees there. Yeah, it's very very vital. But also there's other things that uh, is important in the flavor: fish feed, water temperature, yeah, yeah. conditions. Of course. I mean, I'm not like name. anything you grow. Exactly. Whatever goes into it, from the water table on the on the land exactly. in Bordeaux with the wine, from from the sunshine, the slope degree, everything comes into it, and it's matters. the same for it any matters. any product that you're growing, whether it's fish or whatever. Not naming any farms, but there are certain farms that the fish live in mud mud lined ponds, and you always get that earthy, muddy flavour yeah, in yeah. the caviar. And yeah. I refuse to stock that caviar. Yeah. And they always send me samples. Please, I mean, buy from us this year. I can't put my name to it. Yeah. And there are farms that hold their fish in concrete tanks. Yeah. You don't get that earthy flavour. The poor fish is, you know, is scarred. Stressed, yeah. It's stressed because yeah. every time it swims. So I like the fish to have depth of water swim. So you, you taste that in the caviar. Yeah. Cleanliness. Well, I've got a question, another question for you. Because when I started selling um, Chinese caviar, people would say to me, I can't eat ch- Chinese caviar. So much I won't eat that shit. So people would say to me, "I'm like, what are you talking about?" So let's just get rid of this myth oh, once and for all. If I had a pound every time I heard that, yeah, <laughs> I would start retire. Uh, so, you know, 2099, their caviar was uh, bitter. They didn't know how to process it. Um, they do now. We've taught them a lot of the techniques that the Iranians used with wild caviar. We have our own guys there doing the processing. The fish are in great condition. I mean, uh, I've sent you pictures. Yeah. Um, and I can say hand on heart, it's the best caviar in the world right now. Really? Uh, absolutely. Is that because of the, the conditions that conditions. it's that living fish in? Feed. Fish feed, conditions. The quality the of DNA, the food. They've picked the right fish. Yeah. 
and not all Chinese caviar is the best. Okay, uh, well, let, let's just talk about that. The Tell farms me. that we deal with. So there's how many farms, how many God. Chinese farms are there probably for caviar? I would say anything between 100 to 300 farms. That, that many? Not many have their caviar ready yet. Wow. But I would say about 100 that have got, that have got caviar on caviar the market. Caviar being sold. And yeah. there are some big, Too big large. companies there. Two big companies. Cavallari is one, isn't it? Is uh, the What's the name of the company? No, one is Kaluga Queen. Kaluga. The other one is Amur. Right. Uh, I love both those farms. They they do things differently. They do things great in certain ways. Yeah. I like them both. Okay. And uh, great to work with them. They, they, they have foresight. They think about the future. They want to make you better uh, because you become a better client of theirs. And, um, you know, top chefs stipulate Chinese caviar. Really? You know, they, many years ago I read an article that... I think 28 of the three Michelin star of Michelin star restaurants in Paris all have Chinese caviar. Yeah. And Bloomberg had an article a few years ago said if you think that best caviar comes from the Caspian Sea, forget it. There's a new player in town. Uh, you know, it's the experts all now understand it is. And I remember when I first introduced Chinese caviar into Gordon Ramsay's kitchen, uh, one of Alain Ducasse's chefs was in the kitchen. And Claire Smith, who is now her own, she has her own free Michelin-style restaurant. She said, um, "What do you think about this caviar, Chinese caviar that I put on the table?" And he said, but "That's all we use." And in fact, Mr. Ducasse has been to this particular farm that we work with, and he swears by it. Yeah. And I remember there was a very special event at, at Le Manoir, uh, Raymond Blanc's, uh, where they had great American chefs and great French chefs all on a 10 day period each cooking uh, one yeah, day yeah. we got invited and he said which day would you like to be here and I said oh um, chef uh, Daniel Boulos day so we got there for lunch and my wife said don't leave me alone I don't know anybody so we sat we're eating opposite the head table and uh, Ernest Julia Gallo's um, I think um, family were there yeah some chefs were at the top table. All of a sudden, the waiter came and said, "Oh, you need it. You need it in the kitchen." <laughs> so my wife said, "Don't leave me alone for cooking? too long." What am I cooking? Uh, they called me in there. Can you fill out the turbot, please. <laughs> Thomas Keller comes up to me. Says, "I'm Thomas Keller." I said, "Of course, I know who you are." He said, "Oh, yesterday I saw um, Nobu cooking with your caviar, and then I see Raymond Blanc cooking with your caviar. Why do I get this gold, not golden caviar? Because your your caviar was golden on those two days, and I've got just." boring old berry yeah. and I said I'm sorry that's, that was the budget on the day and he said he put his arm around me he said you want to be my best friend change this to golden caviar for tomorrow's day <laughs> cooking and I did and he said you're always welcome at the French laundry whenever you come yeah. uh, that was a lovely experience so you know it does matter what you put on the table it really does so great uh, very successful Japanese um, fusion restaurant that's all over Europe yeah. that the owner is a very good friend of mine. I've supplied them since 2002. And him and I had a chat. In, he, he was saying, Ramin, we're not going to be Michelin star. We want to give people the very best. And I said, you know something? Um, if everything is perfect, but then one thing isn't perfect, you start doubting everything else. Yeah. So everything to me has to be perfect. So your caviar has to be the very best caviar. And it doesn't have to be beluga, but it really has to be the very best caviar because then they can judge everything else yeah. from every ingredient. Yeah. And he said, fine, I'll leave it to you. So he said, it's in 2002, I just, I've said to the chefs, this is really what you should have on your sushi. And, and it's been that way ever since. Wow. I mean, it's all, it's, it, the thing about it is, it's when people start trusting 
that you know what you're talking about and you gain that reputation, do you not find that it's easier to run the business? It's more enjoyable there. Yeah. This was always my dream. And every box is ticked now. I'm there. Yeah. And it's that trust which says, that's the profit of the business. Yeah. And you've got the same thing, I'm sure. It's when that person trusts you and say, you send me what you think is right at the moment. And it's like, wow, that is, yeah, that and is I do, worth a lot. I do have some chefs who are very, very open. Um, mm. Ones who've worked with me for a long time, they know if it can be bought, I'll have it and yeah. I'll get it to them yeah, and if it's not available they know what you like. I'll yeah. have to give them something else and I do it quite often with the clients who really want know me well because if I can get it I'll get it yeah. it's not laziness I ain't sitting here chatting to people having a laugh I'm, I'm finding the product they want and therefore once they've got some trust in you they are very much open to the fact that if it's not going to be a, a Wagyu tomahawk because it's a Black Angus tomahawk this week that's cool yeah. it's not the end of the world it's, they're a chef yeah. and they're a high end chef and they'll do what they need to in the galley. They'll do what they need to on the plate to make sure the client has a great time. And I've said it before, you get rock star chefs, and those are the ones that are top end because mm. they know how to talk to the client. They know how to make sure the client gets what they want, but they also use what's in their kitchen because you can't on a yacht have everything all the time. You have to not say no, but almost suggest other things. When they go, really fancy yourself, you're actually that's a really good idea and what I have maybe planned for tomorrow's lunch and they, they're selling them what they've got in the kitchen you know they've not said no that's the trick you don't yeah. go no you can't have turbot you go actually I've got an amazing place which I think considering what you've eaten this week and some of the comments you've said sure. I have a beautiful dish I'd sure. love to prepare for you for lunch tomorrow you've taken them off turbot <laughs> you've sure. moved them to place yeah. and Sign they've gone I, tr I trust Confidence. you that's what you do and that's what you're doing with your clients you're saying look that's not going to be right right now. I say it to my clients all the time about beluga in the summer. I go, look, of course I can get you beluga. In my opinion, uh, Ossetra, Ossetra Royal and Gold are the way I'd go yeah. all day long in the summer. Early summer, no problem at all yeah. because we've still got the late spring uh, beluga, which is beautiful. Now when you're touching August, you've really got to walk away from beluga until September, October um, because we've got to now produce caviar, which I'd rather not produce yeah. when it's hot fish are not happy let them rest but the other thing i want to know is there's a lot of caviar brands out there huge i constantly yeah. get clients asking me for brands i've heard of and haven't heard of um n25 mm. is one that i get asked for petrosian these are brands that are well known um and yeah of course i can order it but i say to people we have our own brand here we have selected eggs from somebody who i know is giving me the best quality. I don't know the guy from Petrosian. I know yep. Mr. Petrosian. I've met him at shows. I'll be honest with you. I'm sure he's got a great product, but I don't know him. And I need to trust him with caviar because, like you said, I can't pre-open the tin and have a taste and go, yeah, that's good for yeah. Eric or whoever it might be that's buying it for me that week. I need to make sure that what's in the tin's great because I've got to have trust in my supplier and I don't know what's going in the Petrosian tin because they've never invited me round. I don't know what's going in the N25 tin. I don't know what's going in any of these tins. Yeah. If I go online and buy it from this site and they ship it to me in a poly box, I haven't got a clue where it came from. I don't know how old it is, whether it was with another client, got relabeled. I don't Correct. know. I know when it comes from you. And that's why I say to my clients, I prefer not to buy that because I can't guarantee the quality. If you open the tin, you don't like it, it's your own problem. Almost. I've got caviar here. It's fresh. It's come from a guy who knows what he's talking about he's been in the industry a long long time and i'm important to him as a client because i've been working with him for 12 years but he you were the first. sell me shit 
you were the first to ring me and say, will you send me caviar to France? Yeah. Honestly, you were the first. Before you rang, all my customers, pretty much all of them were restaurants and hotels. Yeah. Very few, I hardly ever put caviar on any of the yachts. Yeah. And I can't remember what triggered it, but a lot of the Gordon Ramsay young chefs who mature and move on end up on yachts. They did. Well, well, Raymond Blancs. Um, and then, right, um, what's her name? You just said her name. <laughs> right. Philip Howard. No, the, la- the girl who used to work oh, on... Oh, Claire Road. Smith. Claire. Claire. She, she worked on a yacht. Correct. Yeah, she worked yeah. on a yacht. That's right. Yeah. And and then they say, I want Ramsay's, I want Imperial Caviar on the boat because I really can't take a risk. Yeah. And that, to me, is a big deal. Yeah. And, and you're one of the few, and I have to say this, and you know this, you're one of the few who says to the customer, no, this is what I believe, this is what I'm going to stop. There are some who I get upset and they say fine I'll give you what you want Whatever. forget drumming yeah. and it happens look it, it, for me it it's happens. about having relationships in this industry yeah. you've got to have good relationships with your suppliers I've worked with many suppliers for yeah. many 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 years I've had other people go well, why do you you can get it cheaper here mm. you can do this you can do that all your fruit and veg from Holland on a pallet what the fuck are you talking about I'm in the south of France if I go to Holland they ain't selling me French red pepper what the hell am I doing that I mean, we're talking about environmentally. Mm. It's ridiculous. Oh, God, yeah. What, even if it was red pepper from France, going from France to Holland to the south, what, are you doing? what, yeah. the, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I can get it from a supplier who would deliver it to my warehouse. Fresh. Beautiful. Why am I buying Dutch or Spanish red pepper in July and August? You know, the small ones you get that look orange rather than red. <laughs> what the hell's going on? Yeah. So for me, it's important I use the same guy. And my fruit and veg guy is an example. As soon as the French red peppers are in, he knows I'm a sucker for those things. He'll send on one of our orders with my drive. You go, Damien, the guys have been in to collect it. You've had the guy check the fruit and veg, and I've sent you some red pepper. They come in and go, we've got three red peppers for you. He goes, I don't know why. It's a bit of a weird thing to give you. But he knows that I know I can slice it, put it into anybody's mouth, and they'll go, that's red pepper. You cannot say the same of the Spanish and the Dutch ones. In fact, you might not even know what it is. You might go, well, I, I'm not sure. I know it's crispy-ish, and, but you wouldn't know what it is. But the French ones in season are kick-ass. And it's about having suppliers who know that. The fact that my fruit and veg guy puts three in a bag when they first arrive and says they're for you to test to see if you're happy with it means he knows I give a shit about what I'm selling. I don't always get it right. And I'm sure, you don't, I'm sure you've had people go, oh, there's a problem. We've all got that happening. Things happen. But nobody can say I don't give a fuck. Nobody can say I don't care and I don't want it to be right. Correct. I drive down to it, down that to Spain... Sense drive to the south of Spain to Cordoba to go and check oil fields and check the olive oil as it's coming out of the centrifuge in October and November. You don't do that if you don't care. Mm. It's not a free fantasy trip for me to Netherland. It's hot. It's your time. I mean, I stayed in one place. I was the only person there. It was like the fucking Shining. It was this <laughs> great big hotel. It was one... It was hilarious. I'm in the middle of olive oil country in yeah. Pre, near Prego de Cordoba. I've stayed at, stayed at this place I found online. It's like an old fortress, this place. I thought, it's a big hotel, it'll probably be fine. <laughs> Check in. Very quiet on reception. Literally outside, no cars. It was October. Late, oh, late October. That could be quiet. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be busy, but, <laughs> but I didn't expect it to be quiet. Obviously, you go through this place, it's like an old colonial building. It was bizarre. Court ha- courtyard in the middle. All the rooms are up looking into this courtyard. Go into the room, it's got this rickety old bed. Um, the floor does this with the, because it's been walked over the tiles for 40, 50 years. I thought, great, lovely little place. Quite late, 
I said to her, is there any way the chef's still here? She said, yeah, you, if you quickly throw your stuff in, you can have dinner. He's here especially for you. 40 towers, sounds like. He's here especially for you. I was like, that doesn't sound promising. Does he know about me? Because I'm a nightmare. So I go to the restaurant and I sit down. And she comes in and she gives the menu and she walks off. She comes back. She bring, comes back a drink. The first thing she does is drop a bottle of beer. And it hits the ground. And the beer shoots up to the ceiling. I mean, it was poor girl. Bad start. And she actually turned around and went, it's my first day. I was like, poor girl. She gives you the menu. She comes back after clearing all the beer up, bringing another beer back. She brings over the, uh, she says to me, what would you like? I said, look, I don't mean to be rude. Could you ask the chef if anything on this menu is fresh or if it's all just frozen? So she went on first day of mine. Most, you can imagine a, sh- uh, a waiter or a waitress would come back and go, no, 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 it's fresh, even if it isn't, I'll bullshit you. They've done it to Gordon Ramsay on Kitchen Nightmares, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. They say, oh, everything's homemade, bollocks, out of the freezer, <laughs> fucking microwave, <laughs> stick it in front of Gordon Ramsay, and not expect him to lose his fucking mind. It's like, what are you doing? So then she comes back and goes, so I've spoken to the chef and everything on the menu is frozen. <laughs> Looked and went, even the patanegra. <laughs> Slice butter She went, yeah, everything. <laughs> How <laughs> honest, though. <laughs> I thought that's okay. So I ordered what I felt would be best, and having been frozen, been frozen, right? Terrible, of course, but it was the fact that these are the things I've done over the years to try and find the best produce. Driving through the olive groves, trying to find little farms and hand-picked places oh, where you're going to see maybe they only make 20,000 litres of that olive oil, but maybe it's kick-ass and they don't yeah. sell it anywhere. And I've got these people sending it to me every year, and every year they get in touch and send me a sample. They send me a fucking sample. As soon as they've made it and bottled it, I get a sample in November, maybe December, depending on the, the olive grove. They'll send it to me, and it's saying, taste the olive oil for this year, because they know I'm not going to buy it if it's shit. But this is what this is what we do here. It's very different, and it's, it's why I love your business because it's who you are as well. Thank you. And that's why I, I wanted you to come today. Thank you. So we could talk about caviar. We can maybe give some information out to people that they previously didn't know, but also so they realise that people like you and I do exist in the food industry. Yeah. I'm not having a go at everyone else. No, no, no. They do exist, and I'm if sure you find do. that person who gives a shit, keep using them because the others don't care. Not all of them but a lot of people are in it for the wrong reasons no, and that's but many business honestly I, I have met another provisioner during December he's sleeping in the office because he's doing so many hours and he's got a family and there are a few of us yeah. in this business who care my wife said why can't we be like other families on a Saturday go shopping on a Sunday go Sunday lunch and I said well you know what there's got these perks the business so you have to accept the good things and the negatives there you go. she now accepts she's fine with it I work a lot longer, double the time than I should be doing. But, you know, every time I come into the office, I am so excited to start every day. And the day you stop being excited to be in the office, you're in the wrong job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 33 years. It is not easy. A friend of mine said every 25 years you should change profi- uh, your profession. Otherwise, you become stale. Every morning I'm excited. Yeah. Chefs ringing me, leaving me a lovely message about the caviar they had last week, and they want the same. Oh, that's the energy you need. Seriously. And... You know, we all care about the planet, Damien, and we all should do something as much as we can, but you should still really put the quality of the product first. Yeah. And if you can be caring in the way you do things, it matters. Yeah. So I know we bring the caviar in from China, quite some of it, some of it comes from 
Iran, some of it comes from Italy, so some of it has a shorter distance to come, some of it from France. But the very best caviar comes from China. Caviar doesn't weigh a lot. One kilo of caviar is, you've probably got associated cost of ice packs and so on, uh, packaging, let's say another kilo. Yeah. So you've got two kilos of footprint, carbon footprint to bring that. I feel guilty, but we all do that. We drive cars. If we can, we drive electric cars. It has its own carbon footprint. But what exception I, I take is with people who are, they want to lie to people and say, this is better. Yeah. So I get a call from this guy back in 2013. He says, well, look, you know what we can do? We can call it British. How? Well, look, don't worry. We put a couple of young fish in, in, in the ponds here in the UK and say it's all British. I said, I can't put my name to that. So he was moving live fish pregnant with caviar which you shouldn't move you shouldn't stress in tankers to the UK before Brexit and I worked it out that each kilo of caviar had 250 kilos of carbon footprint yeah. just so you could call it British and I think that's pointless absolutely objectionable and then it turned out that after Brexit it became too difficult so then he would send British salt and salt it in Germany and I said look this is just play with words and then I read an article in the paper saying that they were moving, um, I think, Polish chickens to UK for a week. And trading standards would say if it was fed in the UK, that the uh, portion of that process has happened in the UK because they've been fed. So you can call it British chicken. Yeah. That's just play but with this, words. But, yeah, I agree with you. And that's the problem with the food industry across the board. It's all, a lot of it's bollocks. It um, is bollocks. And that's why there's people like you and me doing podcasts on a Saturday in 35 degrees heat. We've got two fans, we've got the door open, we've got the air conditioning on in two rooms to try and mean we can sit here without dying of heat. But we do it specifically to get this information out to people. I'm not doing Absolutely. this podcast for a laugh. I'm not doing it because I've got some vanity where I want to be on the internet. Or, no, I want to actually tell people the truth about the food industry. And there is a lot of bullshit out there. We've, I've had all sorts of shit over the years that I've read in papers about olive oil being, you know, now they have to have EU written on it. Well, how many bottles of Italian olive oil have got fucking EU written on them? Because it's not from Italy. It, it, read the bottle. Read it. Look at the brand. And if you, if you want to buy a good olive oil, read about it. Google it. You can Google it. You can see straight away. If it hasn't won an award, there's two reasons why something hasn't won an award. One, because it's too good to be sent in for awards. I've got a cheese. I've got a Gria cheese, 1655. The guy who owns that company, I know him. I've met him several times, and I buy that Gria specifically because it's the best. It doesn't never won an award. Why is it not won an award? Because everybody in Switzerland knows it's the best. That's the most expensive, and it's the best Gria you can buy. Everybody knows if you've got money, you buy that one. It doesn't need to be in an award situation because it's been there 50 years, 100 years, who knows? Everybody knows it. So that, that's one reason. And the other reason it's not been put in awards is because they know it wouldn't win. It wouldn't get a medal. There you go. End of story. And when you see something with a silver medal on it, what the fuck are you talking about, silver medal? Well, My clients aren't interested in silver medals. You know? Second place doesn't count to them. They want the best. They've got a fridge full of 16 of the world's best cheeses. I've got a cold room with the best spices in. I've got the best olive oils you can buy. And they're not the most expensive. That's the yeah. whole point. They're not the most expensive because they've, have to be. they've not got a brand yeah. name that says add 50 euros a kilo, <laughs> which is all bollocks too. It's all about getting people the best produce. And people should realise in the food industry especially, brand names do not mean it's the best. Now, you can put it on a Louis Vuitton shirt, uh, 
and have it made anywhere in the world and you are buying a brand you're buying status symbol I'm sorry but you shouldn't be buying status symbols if exactly you want food. what you said earlier you said why would people want your caviar rather than Petrosian or this and that and the other it, it, the difference is relationships it is the relationship I have with those two caviar masters that we send to China to produce the caviar. It's my relationship with them that they end up each production, they take photos, what's happened to me, put my n- initials on the side of the tin, seal it, and when I get it, I know what's inside. Yeah. It's, th- it's the fact that I stand on a Sunday, so that being out with my kids, stand on a Sunday, fill the tins, weigh them, classify it in the fridge, who's going to have what on a Monday. That's the difference between me and Petrosian. Yeah. Tell me the last time Mr. Petrosian stood there and did filling caviar on a Sunday well I wouldn't have thought he does it anymore no I don't think he'd so he'd get his moustache caught in it <laughs> he's a very nice man I've met him at a couple yeah, of shows great um, marketing yeah company. I think I think the company's fantastic yeah um, I'm in awe of companies like that but it's been going 100 years yeah. recently their though, father the, started their 100th, yeah. uh, sorry their father I think started oh, yeah, you know, yeah he did yeah, yeah. Um, and I love the history of companies like that um, you know and I, I've I've bought a lot of their salmon over the years they've got some great produce yeah. which is really cool stuff um, you know and the odd client says to me they will only have Petrosian you have to buy it so I've bought the odd tin over the years you pay the price yeah but it's more expensive me buying it from them at, 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 at a wholesale cost price that they give to someone like me because I buy fish from them so they're giving me those retailer prices yeah. it's still more expensive than I'm selling my caviar at yeah I, I think our caviar it. prices are fantastic compared to so many other people. I really do. Yeah, no. Um, I've, I've for the quality and the prices, you can't I've, be beat. I've thought about the pricing, and I set those prices in 2019. They haven't changed. Yeah. They've been fixed. Quality fixed. I check every single tin. And you, I know you care. I, I know it's That's really important to you. That's why I put my own brand you. on it. And That's why we brand our, we exactly. white label our caviar so people know it's quality. You yeah. can't buy it in the shops. If you want quality Far caviar, superior, we get the best. Get. It's provided under our Riviera Black Label brand. We even give away now these beautiful boxes with a gold-plated caviar key to the owners of the beautiful. boat. It's beautiful. It's what, it's what you should have if you're buying yeah. caviar. It should be looked after. There's a big difference, Damien, that not only our caviar masters check the tins that's got my initials on, it arrives, I check every single tin, yeah. I fill your tins, and I send them to you, and then two days later, it's with the client yeah. in a shop, could be there two months. Could easily been there. Got how no many hands has gone through before he got there and sat there? Well, do you remember that story years ago? I remember. Do you remember the one I told you where the guy here, yeah. the, the, the clients had gone through Hong Kong on the way to the boat. <coughs> remember I sent you the pictures of the yeah, tins? I, I was shocked. All out of date caviar. Mm-hmm. The, the PA had gone to a shop in Hong Kong, bought caviar for the clients, taken it on the private jet to the south of France. Mm-hmm. The chef had received it in the galley. <coughs> he didn't know he needed caviar, so he hadn't ordered any from me. But he immediately sent me pictures and went, what's going on with this? And I sent the pictures to you and you were like, don't fuck, don't eat it. They're going to die. Someone will die. I think one of them was three months out of date, six months out of date. One yeah. was the year before. Yeah, um, year and before. I, yeah, I, I ended up that. rushing him caviar so the yeah. clients could have caviar. I think they paid six and a half grand for what we sold the same quantity was about three grand. Yeah. And all their caviar was out of date by yeah. a long, long way. So it's all about being prepared earlier to get you the order you then give me enough time to select something special send it to you get it there I remember a boat a few years back through another provisioner ends up in Croatia has an ordered caviar forgotten to order caviar and they want caviar they've gone out to a local supplier bought 30 gram of beluga 670 euros for 30 <laughs> gram my god 
that's nearly 10 times what we yeah, charge. It's crazy, it's crazy. And you wouldn't believe some of the prices I see on there. When, when chefs say Shocking. to me, I get chefs send me the photograph of, uh, of the caviar part of the bill from a supplier somewhere in Greece or wherever, and they go, is this fair? <laughs> Look at it, and they go, no, it's not. It's a complete piss take in all honesty. It's, a, it's cheaper to put someone on a flight to get them to you to pick up the caviar, fly it back, far cheaper. Yeah. But this sort of thing goes on, and you know what? I'm not the biggest in the caviar industry. I don't want to be the biggest. But when I've got clients who've been buying up me for 25 years, that to me is where I want to be. So tell me something. As far as chefs are concerned, across the board, but especially my industry on yachts, what are the main things they should be asking any supplier who's going to give them caviar? What's the tri- tricks of the trade for them? If they don't know a lot about caviar, yeah. they've listened to this podcast and they still don't know much, but they know how I feel about British politics, for example. Yeah. <laughs> they want to hear more. Yeah. And they want to hear more, email me. Uh, <laughs> podcast is just conjecture.com. Um, but no, I'm being... <laughs> if people have watched this, it wasn't really about caviar, was it? <laughs> what were those two guys oh, talking about? I've got to be careful. I supply politicians and royalty. Yeah. I've got to be so, so careful. So, so my question is, what should chefs be asking? I mean, they could... They might not... They might be in the Caribbean. They could be... It could be in Australia, anywhere in the world. Oh, Boat okay. travel. What, what, what so do they ask So not just specifically from us, right? No. From, I, I mean... Buying from anybody. Hints and tips. What they should be asking. We, we've already told them different times of the year should be different stuff. But if you're in the Southern Hemisphere... In, in in South Pacific in the middle of the winter which is their summer I would okay. take it the caviar is probably coming from China anyway I would have thought so yes exactly. so it's going to be a good condition because it's cold in China yeah but Chinese probably ex- some of it they export themselves directly some of it goes through second hands it just depends where it's gone via they've got to learn how to read that code on the back right it's so part it's the of the UN the um, they can get it from our website from I'm sure I can you've got it, it in print them, yeah. yeah absolutely when we teach them how to read that code, they know where it was produced, where it was farmed or what. It's got to be farmed. Got to be farmed. farmed. Got it's to illegal be. to sell wild anyway, Completely now, I think. Completely. Completely. I've had people come to me and say, oh, I've got this great yeah. Russian wild caviar. I'm like, no, you haven't. It, they yeah. go, no, I have. I go, well, get away from me because I ain't going to prison for that shit. Yeah. You and no, I can you. go to prison. Not, not interested in that. Yeah. I've had it, people try and sell me. Yeah. And I've gone, walk. Yeah. I think one of them was a copper. I yep. think it was a sting. Absolutely. I was on the international on TV and he was can, walking up the boats trying to sell caviar. Can tell you first-hand experience. To, came to me and told me, oh, you buy, I told him to fuck off. I said, First-hand experience. We were sitting in Hamburg in my cousin's cousin's office in uh, Hamburgstrasse. And uh, we were just having tea. It was mid-morning. Uh, red Mercedes 190 back was down like this. I mean, it was at an angle. It showed me there was at least 300 kilos in the back. Guy comes up with a tin of caviar and he says... We've just driven all the way from uh, from Russia through Ukraine. This is obviously in the 90s. Uh, sorry, it's got to be late 90s. It's got to be late 90s. Because 96, I remember, the... Gascoigne uh, scored that uh, goal. Oval, oval mark. 96. It was. It was. Yeah it was, you, yeah, it was the Euros, yeah. Every time someone says genius. that, I know that, yeah. Absolute genius. Yeah. <laughs> People have forgotten about him. Yeah, yeah. Absolute genius. Yeah. Uh, so, 96, those oval half marks came in. And they had a lot of black market coming from 91 onwards when the Berlin Wall fell. He comes in with a tin of caviar, would you like to buy some? And and and, and you know what? My cousin didn't even ask the price. He sent him out. He was, I think I recall he was Polish, but he'd driven through Ukrainian news there. And an hour later, police arrived in uniform, and he said, uh, we want to ask you about that car that was here. And, and my cousin said, yeah, they were selling 
illegal caviar. He said, yeah, we know. We've been following them. And there are people we've just arrested that bought from them. Really? We were watching your company. And we realized the guy came out with the tin he came in with. So, yeah, sting operations do go on. First time I can tell yeah, you. I think, I, think, I think that guy that day was... was was dodgy well he was Whereas, definitely dodgy either way he, I mean either <coughs> I think trying to sting people I think it should be illegal oh, God, I think yes. trying to find it's somebody fishing. to buy an illegal product it's fishing, it shouldn't be it? if I buy it they, the it's policeman should go to prison yeah. it's wrong you can't go around doing that to people um, it's like temptation you know it's just a stupid thing to do because a lot of people out there if they get an opportunity will take it a lot of people I didn't I wouldn't I don't sell a legal product but I reckon some people would, but, but stinging them is absolutely ridiculous. The law doesn't uh, recognise ignorance. So if you bought something illegal and sold it not knowing, you would still yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd still be prosecuted. And that's something that chefs but on boats should be very, very, very aware of. If yeah. you're often one of these strange places in the world, when I say strange, not here, anywhere apart from here, <laughs> and somebody offers you wild caviar, be very fucking careful. It's, not it's illegal. It. It's, not, it's worth it. not worth it. Your guests aren't going to have a, a better experience because of it. Yes, you're going to get cheaper caviar because it's probably illegal and it might be a sting. One more very important point in that sentence should be um, it's not controlled. So how can you tell it was yeah. produced uh, correctly? Yeah. You know, it could have been outdoors yeah, by the really seaside. Yeah, really point. Absolutely. Yeah, bacteria. Yeah. Really I didn't even think of that. But you're absolutely right. If it's produced illegally, the chances of them going through regulatory process is <laughs> zero Correct. as well, isn't it? Well, I started supplying Harvey Nichols from 1998. I remember... The buyer was a really nice guy. He called me and he said, um, bring your samples. I took my samples and he said, what do you think of his samples? I said, listen, I don't want to knock my competitors. But what I would say is the reason we're getting, can you get that grit under your teeth when you eat this? He said, yeah. I said, that's not salt. It hasn't got a taste of salt. It's sand. Yeah. Where would you get the sand in there? Because they opened that fish at the seaside. So they were doing it at midnight, my friend, and they paid the local policeman. Yeah, I mean, there you go. So it's a good it's a good example. There are ways to tell that it's dodgy. Yeah. If it's got grit in it, it's yeah. not good. But also, why would you take a risk of buying wild? Get yeah. something that's got a health mark on it yeah, yeah, yeah. that's been produced so properly. So I think one thing, we'll, 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 I think one, one thing we'll, we'll probably flash up on the screen when we do a conjecture from sure. this about that is flashing up that this is a code. I agree. And this code thing tells them everything. Tell me, what does it? What does it? It could have been falsified, by the way. Well, of course, mind. it could be false. But let's pretend they. Well, yeah, let's, 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 let's pretend, let's, let's pretend there isn't scum properly. out there. So you've got the first letter. The first, the first uh, uh, few letters before you get the slash is the um, is the shortened version of the Latin name right. for the fish. Okay. So let's say it's Ocetra, which the Latin name for it is uh, Asipesa Guldenstadt. So, so it's GUE. Latin name comes up first. GUE. So if it's Beluga. It should be Huzo Huzo. H U S O H U S O. Okay. Okay, male and female. Um, then it so goes to. Very, let me just deal with this very quickly. Very, very important that people should be aware of this. Um, there is one or two farms who found a shortcut, which I don't agree with. So they mate an expensive male with an inexpensive female, and then they take the more expensive name, put it on the label. Okay. So generally, I would say the female dictates what the caviar is going to taste like so they take the cheap um, female which is a berry matures at 6 years old they take a male huzo matures at 16, 17 years old they don't want to kill that fish make them together they call it a beluga but it's a huzo berry so that code would say H-U-S-O-B-A-E okay right tastes like berry looks like berry four times the price why right. would you do that yeah. so it should, beluga should say huzo huzo okay okay then the next code is C which is captive bread yeah and then it's the country 
They've got shortened codes, so the, which so I can so even give is, you. Next is, is it should be C always. Yeah, should be captive. C, captive bread. Shouldn't and be W. W yeah. is wild. But and then after w. that, after that, there's a country code. So IT Italy, uh, China CN. Um, you've got you, IR Iran, Iran would be Iran. And IR Bulgaria IR. does a BG Beluga, doesn't it? BG, yeah, Beluga. Yeah. Really good Beluga a few years ago. I'm not sure. Yeah, I remember. I think they dropped. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good Beluga, but they've dropped. After the country um, code. And then after the country code, you've got the year. Um, the year of what? The year of. Here is the law makes it confusing. If it's the farm's label, it's the, um, it's the year of production. Uh, if it's the supplier's label, my label, yeah. which I print, has to be the packing year so it could have been produced in 2022 if i pack it in 2023 i make that 23 so the customer thinks they bought fresh caviar that comes back to trust yeah um so then the next code is the plant code where it was registered so we are gb travel 08 yeah uh, which means we um within the uh, within the uk we were registered the, the country code of the production or the packaging uh packaging Production comes at the earlier stages yeah, of that, okay. which is CN, and then you've got the lot number, which what I everybody has a different way of identifying the tin for traceability on the last section. Yeah, I like so the mother tin has a serial number. They've got a long code at the end; it's got a serial number. So I get a sheet from our caviar master who tells me batches. So we know the, all these serial numbers. And then we can see which fish it came from. So I can identify, if I see a beautiful tin of caviar, 1.7 kilo, I then cross-reference it back and how many more were there from that fish. They go to one side, and I know if I open every one of those, I know exactly what to expect in there. If I get a really big egg, dark color, I know somebody likes that. So all those tins go on the same shelf, all those tins go together. So that traceability, I take that serial number, Yeah. So you've got you, six tins. Generally, you reference to get for future, so you can maybe get the same quality again. Simple yeah. as that. We, not maybe, definitely. Definitely. Same for you can definitely produce get it again. Absolutely. Produced at that same half-hour gap, 20-minute gap. Do other people do that? I don't Is it know common practice? I, I don't know many. You don't other. think it's common practice? It just practice. takes time. It takes so yeah, much. Yeah, Imagine yeah. you've got to go through 200 kilos of caviar and find three tins that have came from the same mother fish. Yeah. Who does that? Okay. And my guys even take pictures before they, they seal the lids. So I've got the WhatsApp. I know the color. It's got my initials on the side. I know it's here. I then cross-reference it with the color. I write on there what to expect inside. I bet uh, your book of notes is... Yeah. <laughs> but they go in the bin once that batch is finished. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the fish is, is dead. Yeah, no. What I mean to say is a batch comes through 200 kilos. I've got all of them separated out. When I sell that 200 kilos, the next 200 kilos comes through. I don't need that batch yeah, yeah, list yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So what I do... So three 1.8 kilo tins have different serial numbers at the end, but then they are from the same fish, so they sit together. When I sell them, I take the serial number from that tin, I put it on all the small tins. So every 50 gram tin, 30 gram tin that's come from that, yeah, yeah. it's got that. So this traceability. Yeah. So you ring me, so, oh, that was really nice, that 50 gram. You got more of that. They're all sitting and together in my that's fridge. That's what you get sometimes from clients. Up. They say, that was amazing. Have you got more? And you'll be able to check immediately whether you do. Something else I noticed here that I do, all my labels have to be bang on straight so that security tab has to be exactly horizontal for this center label. Yeah. So that's our shop window. And in the fridge, when they sit together, they're all in line. Yeah. Because every step you take, here I've noticed, 
it tells your character. It tells yeah, you it that does. you check every detail. Do you know why I label everything precisely the way I do? So all of our spices, I don't get a company to label them. We get them packaged from several different people, depending on where it's come from, but we label it. And the reason we label it, or I label it mostly, is because it has to be exactly as I want it. Yeah. If the spout is here and you click that lid, the middle of my label must yeah. be in the middle of that section. And on a, 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 a spice jar, there's two different sizes. It always has to be the same one mm -hmm. for every spice, not randomly. And you have to tighten the lid before you do the labeling because sometimes they arrive, they're sealed with the seal underneath. The lid's not as tight. It should be not tight, stupidly tight, but it should be very firm. And that's when you put the label on. And then the label on the top should all be in line. And that's the reason I I'm this pain in the ass that most people Anal. work here will tell you <laughs> is because I watched and read uh, information about uh, Steve Jobs. I'm going to blame him. I don't like iPhones, don't like Mac computers, all that bollocks. But if people do, fine, love it, uh, have a nice time. But I'm not a fan. But I'm a fan of the way that he did things. And when his dad walked in his garage, there's a famous story of when he was making the, app, the, the Apple Mac 1, <clears throat> or whatever it was called. That's how, that's how much I don't care about his products. I don't even know what they were called. His dad came in the garage and said, let's have a look. And he said, your chipboard looks like an absolute disgrace. Get your shit together. And he says, what do you mean? He goes, that's part of your product. It should all look immaculate and build from the ground upwards. And if you do that, everything will work. It will. You'll know where there's a problem. You'll be able to find it easy. If you just make a chipboard like that, you're just the same as everyone else. And it was the day that Steve Jobs was like, he's absolutely right. We need to get that, that sorted. And for me, when I put our labels onto anything that we brand, it has to be straight, in the middle. I throw more labels in the bin when I practice doing it than I can imagine. Some of our labels you put on once, that's it. You can't put another yeah. label on. You have to get it right. But that shows our customer that we give a shit. You do. My spice labels, I've got all of the spice names here, but also on the top, because some people put them in a drawer low down. Then you can see. And if You've you look down, you can it. see all of the different spice names. You're not going yeah. through them one after another. Which one's, which one's my chipotle flakes? As a chef, especially on a, on a vessel, you need it quickly. So I put everything in a place that makes it easy for the client the end consumer has an easier day because not only should it be the quality of the product but it's the quality of how it's packaged and the care at which we take that's the same for your product and it's something you notice just looking around yeah, my place I did, today. I did notice that but the thing is some things customers don't see doesn't but what matter what they do see they get it they hear it they, they work they, out the rest yeah, they work it it's out it's human nature they might not see it and notice it but subconsciously they go sure. I like that product sure. and I don't really know why yeah. <laughs> but I'm, that's enough for me I'm, I'm training my daughter to hopefully the two girls to take over the business one day but my she said dad uh, why do you want it done like this the stickers so I'm training them just to do stickers and paperwork caviar is still me and I said it takes just as long to do it straight than to do it not wonky so learn to do it straight and you'll be a lot quicker over time and I'm so quick when I'm doing the labels because I get them straight but in second nature now yeah 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 I can do it with lights which are dim. I, it has to be bright, but, but it's, you're learning. it's a basic thing yeah. that actually shows your customers who you really are. You know? I've had other staff here over the years put some labels on. I've gone into the storeroom. I'll be honest with you. Closed the door and lost my shit. How can somebody I put can. a label on, folded over badly? It's I like, have you got any, say any that's respect done. How can you say that's for done? yourself? Fuck me. Fuck my business. Yeah. Just respect for yourself. Yeah. It brings me on to a I mean, I've got another quick question about caviar in a minute sure. before we close out. But 
for me it's like I never worked for somebody else for all those years I did other jobs for people I never did that for them I did it for me correct and I did it to the best of my ability so I could go home for two reasons knowing one I've got respect for myself two I've got respect for the person who's paying me of course that's part of it but three I'm learning at free education every day and these days I seem to feel there's a difference where people go I'll pay 35 grand for an education at university where I'm just getting pissed every day and playing hockey right and hanging out in the library pretending to work getting a 2-1 or a whatever in some real industries not even it can exist when AI kicks your ass out but when you get to a job you don't believe it's education anymore you think you know everything and you think you know better than the business owner and you think putting no effort in is fine you don't ever think for a minute that I'm paying you and f- educating you for free I've, I'm 49 I've got all this experience of these jobs I've done the industry I've been in for 15 years and yet you think you know better this is free education man take it why would you not take free education you pay 35 grand for your fucking master's course which quite frankly you can stick up your ass no one cares uh, but you won't take free education from where you're working you think I don't get how the world turned into that it's not learning about the product it's learning about the way you do things yeah. and I keep saying it to my daughter if you don't want to continue this business that's fine but the things you the learn principles are the, the same. principles you're going to make in every sector whatever industry you yeah. do like you said way early on in this conversation yeah. if you do everything right the money will follow of course yeah okay Secondary. sometimes it takes a bit of time yeah. sometimes it's a bit longer than you think <laughs> yeah well um, I've I, been through tough times in the yeah, early days absolutely I mean I, I'm still going through tough times this industry I'm involved in is bloody hard but it doesn't mean you give up it doesn't mean you stop you just keep going and keep going and keep going because eventually your point will come across by the product and the quality of service yeah. people will get it and they can go I, I don't actually know why I worked with anyone else if I can't get it they won't they won't be able to get it don't yeah. believe someone else is a exactly. miracle worker because they're not yeah. if sea urchin's not in season you can't get fresh sea urchin getting pissy with me about it it's going to change the fact, the fact that you can't get fresh sea urchin in the med at this time of year yeah. white truffle is October May and, and good white truffle from Alba because I'm not selling that shit from southern from southern Italy if you want quality white truffle, it's October to the end of December, maybe the first week of Jan. If you want shit white truffle, you can get it mid- mid-September down in southern, Sp- southern Italy. Fine, no problem. You could probably buy it from Romania uh, a bit earlier than that. Kind of spores have been spread in the fields. not real, you know. Um, but you don't get white truffle in the middle of July. And just because the boss of the boat said, well, I had white truffle on a pizza in Naples last week, doesn't mean it's true. It's not white truffle. And if it is white truffle, it came out of a jar preserved. It's not fresh white truffle. And there's all these things that I'm trying to get across to people. It's one of the reasons, as one of the guys I know who came in here to do a wine podcast, said, your opinion's so important to you, you spent a fortune on a podcast studio so you could get it out there. But it, for me, it is important. It is important. And some of the things, I would like to believe that pretty much everything we've said today has been neutral, hasn't been tainted with our own marketing strategy and I've been truthful because I think the truth is so important you get caught up people mistrust you about everything so I've tried to be absolutely honest everything I've said today and and I know you have but the fact is I think I do believe that also that the chefs who buy from you and me whether in the UK or anywhere they do think that we're on their side we're on the same team 100% we're on the same we're working we're working together correct I mean my, my chefs on charter boat are getting tips I had one guy the other week I sold him 
um, stone axe beef from Australia. It's unreal. Wow. Most people in this industry haven't even heard of it. <laughs> it's unreal. I've been in touch with a farm. This is what I did. I saw it. I read about it. I went, I want to try it. Got in touch with the owners of the company in Australia. Time difference is huge. I would send them a message at night. They'd reply in the morning, and it went back and backwards and forwards. I got the health certificate. I got the halal certificate. In case anybody says, is it halal? There's your certificate. Pre, Brilliant. in my file, ready to go, on yeah. my Dropbox. Boom, gone. That's what I, I care about. And I wanted to try this beef, and finally this year I managed to get it, and I sold some to a, to a client who had a really important charter. And he phoned me up at the end of the charter and went, because he's too busy in the charter, phoned me at the end, and the, the charter, the principal charter client gave him a two grand tip extra just for that chef, because he said, I've never tasted a piece of beef like it in my life. Wow. And the chef phoned me and said, that's the difference, man, when I work with you, because you, you got me an extra two grand tip. He literally yeah. gave the tip for the crew. He got the same tip as everybody, and the guy gave him an envelope with two grand, and went, that's for you because you've just kicked my ass with that beef. He says, I'm ne-, he goes, I'm, I've never had anything so that's hard gone on the floor. To be so focused on so many different lines the way you do but things. that's what it's about. The thing is, I'm so focused about one product, I'd like to think I'm the best at it. But you're trying to you do are that the with best many different... Thank you. You're the same with all these lines. It's hard. Very hard. That's Not why I get frustrated with my fish supplier when he's yeah. got three, well, ten items to sell me and two of them he don't, don't turn up. No one said anything. And I've got 400 line items to do. And I've got 30 suppliers that do that to me. And I end up with 60 items I haven't got when they all promised it would be there and wow. nobody told me. And I've got to deliver tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and I'm sitting in the warehouse at eight o'clock at night going, where the hell's all the produce? And so you have a lot of stress because of that. Because of these people's tips... Their job and their tips are reliant on me yeah. doing my job. It's Correct. not vanity. I don't give a fuck about that. It, this is about making sure that that person doesn't lose their job, comes back and continues to work with me because that's the essence of the, of the end of the, of the business, and gets a good tip. Not my tip, their tip. They yeah. don't tip me. They get it from the bot, and they should get it because they work hard. They work 18-hour days on these charters, 20 hours. They're in bed, and somebody wakes them up at 3 and says they're all back from the nightclub burgers all round he goes great I've got those Wagyu burgers that'll keep him happy whatever it might be their job's a nightmare so that's what it's all about I've got one final question to ask I think we are still recording that's gone off for some reason just check it's still all working so I I do have um, one one other question and it's about two questions Um, we've talked about Almas but colour of Almas is really important yeah I mean the details so um, Almas in Persian means diamonds so raw diamonds before they're polished are almost white yeah. but you know opaque so um, that's a very rare beluga which is uh, albino so white fish it looks uh, white it's white okay. I've got a picture that we can flash up and, th- and that's what you're looking for the caviar's white if we don't have it we just don't have it that's it end of there was a time it was hard to sell. There was an Instagram in the early days. So about seven, 1974, 75, my cousin told me a story. He said, we had this white caviar. We didn't know what to do with it. And we said, our, our distributor in the south of France um, said, fine, send it to me. He said, we sold it to him for 2,000 um, Deutschmark per kilo. And he said, do you have any more? He said, yeah, we've got another kilo. He said, send it. He said, what are you doing with it? We haven't got any customers for it in Germany. And he said, oh, no, I'm selling it at $50,000 a kilo. Who to? 
um, the lady with all the shoes, Emilda Marcos, uh. believed that it gives you eternal youth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was then. And I remember uh, uh, Millennium 2000. Is she still about? I think she kicked the bucket or kicked. kicked hmm. <laughs> I think she passed away. Good marketing uh, then. Mar yeah, well. <laughs> 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 Myth versus legend. Uh, so you should have been eating it earlier. <laughs> yeah, well, I should, I should have been supplying it. And if it was 100 cousin. grand a kilo, you probably would have still been alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so there was uh, Millennium, we had, I think, two or three kilos. And we had it. Um, at Selfridges and we had it half because we couldn't sell it couldn't people sell didn't know it. what it was yeah. and then I know you had is we it, sold you some is it a good taste I gen personally I think that the reserve beluga is tastier I think when you have white pure white beluga on the table you can say to your guests I'm the only this is entertainment right I, even any yacht that's actually serving this right now yeah. and they're probably right in yeah. the Riviera is probably the only yacht who's got it it's that rare if it's correct yeah. if it's not pure Almas and they, they, they frob you off with the yellow caviar then well, I you know that yeah, there is caviar sold on. as Almas that's actually goes Ossietra I would say 99% of Almas sold right now is counterfeit yeah. and I would say that the, you should feel like a fool buying it because somebody's told you trust the label and it's not Almas. Yeah, but it, but this is what probably is really hard. You have to have an albino fish with yeah. an albino fish, otherwise it's not going to be white. Absolutely. And they have both have to be pure white. And how rare is that? And how up rare in is that going to happen? Because yeah. they don't know that it's a white one. Correct. I don't mean that rudely. I'm and not saying they can't see. No, no, but, no, 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 but when they when they when the male ones wandering around going right, I'll have a few beers, go out tonight, let's yeah. see if I can find myself a chick. Yeah, but they he put doesn't wander in, in the pub and go. I quite fancy the white one. He goes, I quite fancy all the fish. Yeah, of course. He <laughs> so does. he's like, he does he's going to have it away with today. That's all he's thinking about. But they put, so them in the same, they put them in the same area. I know, I'm taking the piss. Of yeah, course yeah, I but do. It, but generally, I don't <laughs> they see that. two white ones in the pond and go, crack on. Yeah. <laughs> Add here's, a bit of tequila here's and a few porn, shots. and uh, some pond to watch to get you going. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> but I, I can tell you that I've, I don't think I've ever seen uh, Almas out of China. Okay. It's pretty much a DNA from the Caspian Sea, from Iran, Iranian waters. Iranian waters are further south. But surely people are selling almas that's light grey, not white. Because and that's could that be? No, there's no borderline. No, there's it's no either almas or it's not it's almas. Either, so it's two almas fish or yeah. it's no almas. We'll pop some pictures up, and it, once you put the pictures up, you can see the difference. And we're going to show because I've seen photographs of it grey. It's not Almas, is it? It's sad. That's what it is. Yeah. And I tell you what, once we put these pictures up, a lot of people are going to have egg on their face. I hope you don't mind the panda. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if you have it, if I have it, you'll have it. And if you haven't got it, because we don't want to lie to people. Okay. End of. Take cool. Reserve Beluga That's during that. spring, uh, autumn, it's difficult winter. difficult to get hold of. Very difficult. Um, and very small quantity. Small quantities, Absolutely. And when it comes in, it's pretty much always pre-sold before we yeah. even get it through customs. Yeah. But I won't be taking in any into the UK. So if I have some, it'll sit in the EU. Yeah. And then selected few, I'll, I'll email and say they're ready to go. Yeah. And you'll get pictures. Yeah. Original pictures from production time. Yeah. So you'll know what to expect. Yeah. So uh, I always ask my guests uh, a question which usually annoys them a little bit. Um, my wine guy asked him whether champagne was just fizzy wine. Um, is caviar my, my caviar question for you is um, can you smoke it oh, can you smoke I, I, caviar I've never tried <laughs> if you've got a cloche and you've got almas caviar beautiful almas we'll caviar cloche smoke it with hickory wood 
Are we, are we, <laughs> would you recommend it or would you go, what, I, don't smoke the caviar? I, I, no, I wouldn't. You'd I, never do the that. The caviar is about subtlety. Smoking is about increasing intensity. No, I, I, I don't think Have so. you ever had smoked caviar? I've never heard of it. We're going to have it tonight. Oh, you're talking about... I'm going to bring with me... Oh, you're not talking about sturgeon caviar smoked. You're talking about... I'm talking uh, about the, the one we have to taste later. Are you talking about salmon smoked? No, no, no. Caviar? No. Sturgeon? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll have it tonight. I want to know the process. <laughs> I'm going to show you the process. Oh, we're wow. going to do it at the table. I'm going to do it at the table. Oh, okay. So we're gonna, we'll do a little video later. Maybe we'll share at the end of this. <laughs> don't show us up now. <laughs> no, no, no. It'll be we're fun. supposed It'll be to fun. know what we're I doing. I don't even know if the restaurant's going to be very happy with it, but I know them quite well, so I'm hoping they're not going to kick us out for one, oh, bringing in our own oh, caviar, and two, smoking it at the table. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> I'll bring over the ro hotel man, okay. the, the restaurant manager, and go, come and have a taste. It'll be fine. All right. Okay, I trust you. <laughs> I've had smoked rice. Have you had smoked rice? Smoked rice, yeah, yeah, yeah. stunning. Yeah, yeah. From north of Iran. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm massively into my smoke products, so I like, I'll smoke anything to see. I mean, not like that smoke it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> smoke it with a cloth, whatever it might be. Okay. I'd as like long as to, we don't dry the eggs, I'm happy to try no, it. No, but it's smoked for a very short period of time. Okay. So it's very light. Okay. And I think that's probably the only way you could do it. Right. So we'll, we'll do a little video when we're doing it. That happens. could be a whole new line. Yeah, we go, yeah. We you make can a new label. Won't believe what happened to me when I was in France. <laughs> you know how these Neanderthals <laughs> change quality produce? <laughs> well, they've gone and done it to my caviar now. <laughs> um, I'm learning every day in life. <laughs> listen, Raman, it's been really fun having you in. Uh, Thank you. I'm not sure it's educational. I always people. enjoy I hope, chatting I, with you. I hope, I hope people have learned a bit about caviar that they didn't know before. Uh, sorry. It was they, less about caviar, more about politics. <laughs> I do apologise. <laughs> that was me. I, I, I got triggered, mate. That was <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. But no, it's been fun and it's always nice to Thank see you. you. We always Thank have you. a good time. We went to Absolutely. the Monaco Yacht Show a few years ago. We did. Ago, One of the best and we did times a tasting, I've had, yeah. didn't we? It was fun. Oh, it was so much fun. Do you remember, always we laugh. Do you remember that year, actually? That was really funny because somebody said to me the other day, oh, you always go to Monaco Yacht Show. Uh, you know, it's all fancy. And I was like, well, wasn't that fancy. I turned up in a three and a half ton truck. Yeah. I picked you up from the airport. We parked it free of charge around the back. We parked it around <laughs> the back on the, on the cruise ship terminal. I was in my work clothes because I'd just done a delivery, oh, and you were standing outside by the port, and I went in the back of the three ton truck to put a suit on. I remember. I went in with shorts and t-shirt on, and I came out in a suit. And oh. as I opened it, this cold air hit the hit the thing because it was refrigerated, and you <laughs> went. It was hilarious. Do you remember the two young ladies asked? They thought we were we were on a yacht owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we looked it, so good. It was hilarious, wasn't it? And that um, was yeah, traveling around in a three and a half ton truck doing deliveries and, and with my caviar guy in it. Spent hilarious. Absolutely, an hour on the phone just chatting, can't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think you build that with people who are very similar to you. Yeah, you well, do with the you, same passion for what they're doing. I think it's absolutely. easy to get on with those people and yeah. talk. I mean, we've been going now two hours fifty-two minutes. Well, I promise you that wasn't going to happen. No, you said people we're talking stop an listening. Hour. <laughs> I told you, it's amazing. I hope they're, they've, they've listened to the end. It's uh, good fun. I'm really glad you made the effort because, to be you. fair, you made the effort to make this happen, not me. I've invited you on, and you jumped on a plane. You've come over for it's a what, absolute one night. Is that right? Yeah, one night. We're one back night tomorrow. in the south of France. You're going back to the UK, and you've done it specifically to come and help me tell people about the quality I've of the enjoyed produce, it. and I really, really appreciate but, it. But there's some facts that have got to go out there. Yeah. And then they can make an educated guess for themselves, Absolutely. even if they're buying it elsewhere. And people can disagree with us too. That's completely not a problem. Yeah. Um, so thank you for coming in. Absolutely. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And tonight thank we'll you. go and have a nice meal. Absolutely. Thank you. Take it easy, Ramon. Thank you very much, man.